You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. everybody to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. I'm your host, James Edwards, along with Keith Alexander. We're going to have a lot of fun this evening welcoming yet another first-time guest making his debut appearance on the broadcast tonight, and we're taking a quick trip over to London this hour. I think our first time out of the country since March Around the World, if I'm not mistaken, and I, I could be mistaken about that. I think that. this is the first year we've had more foreign guests on the show than we've had it's uh, american nip and tuck we've had uh, quite a bit and quite a bit of first time guests this year as well going back to the very first broadcast of the year where we welcomed chris cantwell to the program a little later on than that spencer quinn and tim kelly and then of course a longtime friend but first time guest anka uh, vandermersch from belgium a senator in belgium john hill the last living descendant of uh, confederate lieutenant general a.p hill uh, making a debut back during our Confederate History Month series. But uh, tonight and right now, uh, we are very excited to welcome Stefan Brockus to the program. Stefan is a writer and editor for both Arctos Media and Europa Terra Nostra. There with our good friend uh, Dan Erickson and Sasha Rossmuller. Uh, he is uh, with us tonight. He's going to be talking about a couple of current events and articles that have been dominating the news. And again, we're going to try to have a lot of fun while doing it. So, Stefan, welcome to the broadcast. It's great to have you tonight uh, from the UK. Thank you very much, James. It's great to be here as well. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your background, if you don't mind. Uh, this is your first time on the show, so uh, you had sent me a bio, but rather than me read it, uh, why don't you just share it with us in your own words? A little bit about your background and uh, how you got from there to here. Oh, well, uh, I guess to cut a very long story short, um, so, I, <clears throat> so I'm uh, 29 years old. I was uh, born in London. My uh, family are all uh, from the former Yugoslavia, ethnic Serbs. Um, most of them came over here during the, 19, the 1990s. And, um, yeah, I grew up in uh, West London. I um, wasn't very politically active growing up as a teenager but um, once I graduated from um, what we call secondary school over here over there you'd have a high school once I graduated from that and went to college for the first time I I guess you could say to put it in um, modern terms that was my uh, red pill moment 
getting into college and just seeing the changes in my local community, my West London community. I, uh, growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, it was a very, it was still a very diverse area, but still quintessentially English, British area. But um, yeah, seeing how um, newcomers and the area generally becoming more diverse, it sort of brought with it the uh, cons, shall we say, of such a thing: higher crime, higher crime rate, general, the general shutting down of domestic local stores, and the uh, creation of more, shall we say, the foreign shops and foreign stores, and just general community centres like that. And it just took away from the quintessential English-British nature of it all. And once, get, once I started university, I spent five years there doing uh, war studies for my undergraduates and uh, international conflict analysis for my uh, postgraduate degree, did two years of that. That's when I, that my university experiences effectively confirmed what I've been hearing from the dissident right before about multiculturalism, left-wing ideology, cultural Marxism, liberalism, and so on and so forth. And once I, by the time I left university in uh, 2019, I eventually left the United Kingdom, went to Serbia, my ancestral homeland. I sort of uh, deported myself, shall we say, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I've been there ever since. I still commute back to back to the UK to see friends and whatnot. Which is uh, where you're at. Yep, which is where you're at this evening. And I, I should have mentioned there at the top uh, that you are an ethnic Serb that was born in London. And you lived the majority of your life to this point in the UK, and then as you as you were just sharing, uh, you witnessed firsthand the negative the demographic and social cultural changes which took place uh, in your community there in the western part of London, and uh, those experiences rapidly changed you uh, into uh, someone who went from the center right of the political spectrum uh, to an ethnic nationalist, Keith. Right. It's uh, it's very interesting. I was just thinking, you know, you went from the a frying pan. Uh, into the fire basically going to serbia uh if you went there in the i don't know if you went there in the 90s but uh compare serbia with london in terms of ethnic mixture and things like this and overall ethnic, racial and spiritual yeah, health yeah ethnic clashes things like this how would you compare them so I would say both countries are, of course, um, I guess you could say ethnically diverse. However, the difference between Serbia and the UK, the UK is, to use a rather, I guess a rather negative connotation, it's a melting pot of various different cultures. Now you have basically everybody from every corner of the world is in the UK, especially in London. You've got people from outside of Europe, sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, the Middle East, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, South America, and every other part of the world here. Um, to the point where I, I believe UK's population is now 68 million, pushing 69, 70 million now. And the contributing factor to that rapid rise in demographics and population are, for, are foreigners from outside the UK. Uh, whereas in Serbia, however, it is a very, it is a I would say diverse multicultural country as well, but not in the same way as countries such as the UK, France, Sweden, Germany. The overwhelming majority of our uh, ethnic minorities are from our neighbours. We have Hungarians in the north, Croats in the northwest, we have um, some Bosniaks in the southwest, Albanians in the south, Romanians and Bulgarians in the east, 
you have gypsies, um, the gypsy people all over, scattered around the country as well. And the largest you didn't have new Arab uh, arrivals like you did in England. Basically, the ethnic diversity uh, you had in Serbia were people that had been in Europe for generations, right? And you've traveled ex extensively across Europe, uh, so you you have been uh, there and back again. If you had, if you were a father looking to plant a family uh, that uh, you want to buy your children a generation or two, do you go to Serbia or do you go to the UK right now? Oh, honestly, if I had to, I would say to my my past self, I had to go back in time and speak to my younger self. Uh, between the UK and between the UK and Serbia, if I had to bring up a family, bring up children. 100% in Serbia. It's a far safer. Yeah. We do have our problems, of course, as most countries do nowadays. But in terms of quality of life and a general pro-family yeah. environment, Serbia is a much, much more pro-family country as opposed to the UK. Hold on right there, my friend. Uh, that's very interesting and giving you a little bit of background on our featured guest for the evening, Stefan Brockus of Arctos Media and Europa Terra Nostra. A little bit of background on who he is and what his story is, and we'll be back with hey more there, next. Hey family, this is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. into our summer programming here on TPC. You know, we have those two very fun but very intense months in March and in April with our March Around the World and Confederate History Month series. 
And then we get into this wonderful hodgepodge come May and June and July. A lot of fun programming. Uh, just in the last few weeks, you've heard from Peter Brimelow, Jared Taylor, David Duke, uh, Kevin McDonald, Tom Sunich, Paul Fromm. I guess we did go to Croatia that night on May 6th with Tom Sunich uh, and uh, to Canada with Paul Fromm. Gregory Hood, another first-time guest making an appearance. Uh, Sam Dixon. It's just been a great year of programming so far, and it continues right now with uh, Stefan Brockus of Europa Terra Nostra and Arctos Media. We're going to get to one of his articles that I read this week, and I said, I've got to try to reach out to this guy and get him on the show. But, Keith, you had something you wanted to say. I was in England in the early 70s. I went to a summer school program at Univ College in Oxford and visited all my relatives over there, and that was at the very beginning of the ethnic strife over there. I remember hearing about packy bashing, you know, the working-class uh, white Native British guys did not really like having the Pakistanis moving them out of their neighborhoods and things like that. So that must have been around the beginning of it. But um, what is it like now? Uh, in in Oxford specifically or just general uh, England now? No, just in, uh, well, I, I consider Oxford the part of the home counties, you know, basically suburban London. But uh, in London, I guess, uh, which is where you're from, huh. uh, it, uh, you know, packy bashing was, uh, you know, something that was unique and new back in the early 70s. I, I understand there's probably a lot more ethnic conflict now, uh, but I want to find, want to hear from the horse's mouth what's, what you think, what's, what's your assessment. Quick answer on that, and then we're going to go down to Egypt uh, in, a, in a way, in a manner of speaking. Sure. Well, um. I guess in terms of the uh, racial bashing, so to speak, uh, it's uh, completely reversed since the 70s. Now you you can't go a day without hearing the local. Um, you can't go a day uh, without looking at the local newspapers and just seeing more reports of lo local local English British people getting beaten up or stabbed or shot by various gangs such as the Afro-Caribbean or the Arabic gangs here. Uh, it just just recently, I'd say a few months ago, we had an elderly gentleman in his 80s or 90s, just in the next town over from me, on his um, mobility scooter, he just got jumped and stabbed and killed by uh, one of these gang members for no other reason other than that they just wanted a little bit of money from him and his scooter even. So it's unfortunately, it's unfortunately becoming more and more common for uh, for the white people, especially English, British people, to get uh, bashed, so to speak. Well, I, uh, it sounds like Memphis. You know, we had the watermelon man that just got killed here, a guy that sells watermelons off the back of his truck. A couple of so-called minorities just rolled up and uh, shot him for the cash that he had on him. Very small amount of money. He died. And what does Memphis and London have in common now that they didn't have in common in the 60s and 70s? Diversity. The blessings of diversity. To this extent. That's right. Well, let's take a, a, a radical departure and an abrupt pivot here and move uh, to something that I wanted specifically to ask Stefan about because I saw this. This was making a lot of news. And that was Netflix's uh, release of a documentary film on Cleopatra in which Cleopatra appears as uh, black, as uh, the actress playing her is black. I'm reading now from his uh, column at Europa Terra Nostra, and Stefan writes, Once again, the mainstream media takes a white historical figure and hires a non-white person to play them in a new on-screen portrayal. 
While this trend of taking white characters, both fictitious and historical alike, and having them portrayed by non-white actors has gone, uh, been going on for several years now, across film, television, and even video games, the most recent controversial race swap revolves around the portrayal of the famous historical figure that is Queen Cleopatra of Egypt. A new documentary series called African Queens has recently been released on Netflix and intends to tell the story of various historical, well, African queens. Uh, the first season focused on Nzinga, who was a queen of two territories that now form part of the country of Angola, and it was met with mixed reception from critics, citing its rather lazy and uninspired attempts at portraying an area of African history that gets very little to no attention whatsoever. However... With the recent release, Stefan writes, of the trailer for the upcoming second season of the documentary, the public reception was certainly not mixed at all. It was overwhelmingly negative. Why? Primarily because the second season is set to depict the life of Queen Cleopatra of Egypt, yet Cleopatra herself is set to be played by a black woman. That leads us to the question, who was Cleopatra? And Stefan, I was so impressed uh, with how you sort of traced the genetic lineage of Cleopatra and put it into this article uh, to put history into accord with the facts and the tradition of our friends over the Barnard's Review. We'll let you take it from there. What were your findings? Well, I guess um, I get, this is one of the things that really strikes me as bizarre when it comes to listening to other people from the left and the political center about how they identify Cleopatra. I, I've seen from my article and any basics, any basic Google can tell anybody Cleopatra was from the Ptolemaic dynasty, Ptolemy being one of Alexander the Great's generals. So just a very quick Google search by anybody from any political background can tell you and can tell you Cleopatra was not black. She was not mixed race. Her line was purely ethnically Greek. In fact, her dynasty made it pretty much a personal mission of themselves for themselves to keep their line pure. That's why there was so much incest within that dynasty. They wanted to keep that Ptolemaic blood, so to speak, uh, pure. They wanted to keep that genetic lineage and heritage because they thought that their, cl their class of ru as rulers was to be the same as the lineage that came before them. Of course, you had, of course, the ancient Egypt itself was pretty diverse with all these different tribes from, from the different parts of the, I guess, Egyptian territories around there. But Cleopatra herself it was and historically proven to have been Greek. So it, it genuinely blows my mind how anybody can look at her, look at her statues even, and think, hmm, this is definitely a black woman. And as, as, you, um, as you saw in my article as well, this is the second season of the show African Queens. And what strikes me as bizarre as well, there is no attention whatsoever on season one on the on a season which actually focuses on an African black queen. No one pays any attention to that one. However, everybody is paying attention to this season, a, a, a show where a historically white character, white historical figure, is being portrayed incorrectly as black. So I generally, this is why I genuinely believe, and I guess all of us as nationalists genuinely believe. There is a fundamental agenda behind this, and it's something that's unfortunately becoming a common trend in media. Well, you know, uh, Stefan, she wasn't even, even a Greek back then was not like a Greek today. I tell people that Alexander the Great did not look like Zorba the Greek because the Greeks had, what, five centuries plus of Muslim occupation. 
during the Ottoman Empire and whatnot. So, uh, you know, she was probably, you know, she's probably even wider than most Greeks today in terms of her, her complexion. And uh, as my English grandmother would have said, this one is black as Nugent's knocker. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you bring up your grandmother because that's actually something that they use to sort of justify her portrayal as a black woman. And as, as Stefan said, I mean, perhaps she was sun-kissed and olive-skinned, as so many people around the Mediterranean are. Uh, but no matter what, I mean, she was most certainly white. Uh, but uh, I love what you write here, Stefan. Finally, and conveniently near the end of the trailer, and amidst the dramatic pause in the music, just to highlight the message even more strongly, an older black woman states that her grandmother had told her once, quote, I don't care what they taught you in school, Cleopatra was black, end quote. And with all due respect to that woman's grandmother, as confused as she may have been, <laughs> about this belief about Cleopatra, this part of the trailer was obviously the most controversial and sparked the most outrage among audiences. And it did spark outrage. This isn't just something we're so-called racist or upset about it. The Egyptians were absolutely went bananas about it. I don't even think they're not pleased at all. <laughs> Could you comment on that, Stefan? It's uh, the, the, more, the more the controversy went on, the the funnier it got. Usually things like this, it's difficult to see the, the humor in it. But seeing how insane the backlash was, not just by Europeans, not just by let alone the Greeks, but by the Egyptians as well, modern Egyptians who have a very different genetic structure to ancient Egyptians. Modern Egyptians have more of the Arab influence from the Arab conquest in the early early medieval era. But even then, even they were so outraged by this. I cannot remember who exactly it was, but I believe it, um, some Egyptian organization, uh, cultural organization actually ended up suing Netflix. All right, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back on this, spend another minute or two on this, the backlash and some other tangentially related uh, topics, and then we're going to get into the relative success of recent right-wing boycotts, which uh, Stefan has also written about for Europa Terra Nostra, so stay tuned. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. Former President Trump is addressing his federal indictment. This vicious persecution is a travesty of justice. Speaking at the state GOP convention in Georgia, Trump called the charges, quote, ridiculous and baseless. Trump's remarks on Saturday come a day after the Justice Department unsealed a 37-count indictment against the former president, alleging his mishandling classified documents after leaving office. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is in Oklahoma this weekend. It's the fourth state DeSantis is visiting on his Great American Comeback Tour. More help is headed to Ukraine. The Biden administration announced another $2.1 billion in security assistance for Ukraine on Friday. The aid package includes air defense and ammunition capabilities. The U.S. has committed $40 billion to Ukraine since Russia's invasion began last February. It comes as Kyiv begins a counteroffensive against invading Russian troops. I'm Jeremy Scott. Ted Kaczynski, the man known as the Unabomber, has been found dead in his prison cell. Former FBI Special Agent Cliff Watts says the Unabomber opened the floodgates for homegrown terrorism. He was 
sending mail bombs, uh, I think as late as the 1970s, going well into the 1990s, if I remember correctly. And it was during the era when we were worried about domestic terrorism. Kaczynski, who was referred to as America's most prolific bomber, was arrested in 1996. He was 81. Saudi Arabia and the United States are announcing a 24-hour ceasefire between the Sudanese armed forces and rapid support forces. Both factions agreed to rest and let humanitarian aid get through to citizens throughout Sudan. President Biden is praising the LGBTQ community for their courage and for the hope and light they generate for people. Biden called the LGBTQ community, quote, some of the bravest and most inspiring people he's known. This is USA News. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. If you see her on the street, don't try to choose her. Go, Granny, go, Granny, go, Granny, go. summertime at uh, TPC, and we thank you, ladies and gentlemen, one and all, for sticking with us and making us a show of all seasons through the ebbs and flows of our broadcast calendar and uh, here having a little fun tonight with Stefan Brockus, talking with him about his background, talking with him about some of the articles he has written for Europa Terra Nostra, also for Arctos Media, uh, and what a great job they do, by the way. Uh, but uh, one more thing about the Cleopatra as you mentioned, it's it's really nonsensical. You write this, Stefan. Firstly, Cleopatra's heritage has not been the subject of academic debate whatsoever. Her Greek heritage has been universally accepted by academics worldwide as a fact. And there's a plethora of historical evidence to support this, uh, that the fact that she is white. Even Hollywood has always correctly portrayed her as uh, a woman with white skin. She was white, obviously. But uh, to combat that, you have on this Netflix a black woman saying her grandmother told her that she was black, and that's just all there is to it. That was basically the <laughs> argument. But uh, the other side of the argument. But I, I like how you end this, too, because you say, listen, I mean, they're doing a disservice not only to our people, but to their people as well. I do enjoy reading about the real heroes of other people, not the people who have been portrayed as heroes who are not heroes like Martin Luther King. But uh, speaking of, you know, for instance, 
the heroes of the American Indians or of people like Montezuma. I love reading history about people like that. And at least they fought. At least we have that in common. I don't mind reading real history about uh, people of different cultures and races than myself. But what is the problem here? And why are people so upset? Uh, now, the media would act the only racist. And why white is the media so interested in projecting this anti-white, pro-black uh, uh, idea on the public generally why why are we hearing about this uh, almost exclusively today it's where you know white people are thrust to the bottom of the totem pole basically when it comes to jobs in hollywood as actors for example multiple part question there uh, Stephen. take it any way you want Ooh, well especially with the question asking exactly why what's what is people's agenda behind doing this i think one of the i think one particular aspect of that that not many people touch upon is that of course us as nationalists we are i guess by nature history lovers we have very strong historical awareness not just of ourselves and our own respective people but about other cultures as well the reason we're nationalists in the first place is largely because we have been influenced and we're knowledgeable about our own past our own heritage we know where we come from and we also enjoy looking into other people's heritage I think one particular aspect why, especially within the black community nowadays with this whole Black Lives Matter movement, etc., I think one of the key, key reasons they're so obsessed with wanting to replace, I guess uh, in media, they want to replace white historical figures with black actors and actresses. I think one, one, key, factor, uh, one key factor behind that is that they themselves are not aware of their own heritage. I personally think that if they are... If they were more aware of their own people, their own background, they would be more inclined to explore more about their own heritage. Personally, one, I, I, to this day, I don't know why we don't have this yet. Uh, as, as, you, as you said, James, uh, you, you also love looking into histories about other nations, other cultures. For me personally, I would absolutely love to see a, me, a modern media portrayal of the, um, the Harlem Hellfighters of the First World War the 369th Infantry Regiment, all uh, mostly African-American, some Puerto Rican as well. That's, an, that's a fantastic aspect of, I guess you could say, black history as well, where these heroic group of figures fighting for the Americans and for the French as well in the First World War, and yet we don't see anything about them. We don't hear anything about them whatsoever. Instead, what we get, we get Netflix, we get Amazon Prime, we have other forms of media taking established... European white European history and replacing all those figures with black and mixed race act, uh, actors and actresses why don't we get more interesting stories in the media about African history about South American history or Arabic history or, or whatnot I'm 100% I'm sure there are they have interesting stories to tell as well but they're just not interested in looking at their own history they're far more interested I would love to see out. a history a historical show about Toussaint Louverture's slave rebellion in Haiti. That, but that I, would be interesting. Yeah, but I don't think that they'd like that one. Well, I mean, I, I, I tell you what. I mean, you, I would take Haiti's constitution over ours. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. I mean, what they did, they, this is going to be for our people. We're getting rid of everybody else, and we're going to have – I mean, obviously, that's why it's a hellhole now, but the, the, they were thinking right in that. Uh, and, of course, you know, I didn't want our people to be slaughtered down there, but that would be something that would – to, to Stefan's point – that would be something that would interest me. I would like to see an authentic history on the background of him. But uh, it's just whether it's, I mean, it even annoys me 
the, the new Little Mermaid being black. Now, this is trivial. I get it. But uh, obviously, the Little Mermaid's white. Santa Claus is white. Han Christian Anderson's character was white. The Little Mermaid statue's in Denmark. Uh, and this is something that has also received backlash, not just here in the States, but abroad. It is tanking in Asia. This new live-action Little Mermaid that the Disney company put out is tanking in Asia. Chinese and South Koreans, amongst others over there, uh, are saying, hey, the Little Mermaid, in my mind, is white. This is what one Chinese reviewer wrote. And then uh, you have – so that, that that is offensive on some levels. And then, of course, when you move to – People like Alexander Hamilton and even Julius Caesar. You remember Julius Caesar was portrayed by Eddie George, the black football player in a, in a stage production? I mean, you can't, that, you can't make this stuff up. It does get offensive. It's like, do they not have heroes? Do they have to try to co-opt ours? Why aren't they interested in their own history? Which is, as you said, the first uh, season of African Queens actually had a legitimate black heroin uh but they didn't seem to be interested in that so i don't know it's a topic for another day it is annoying it is ridiculous uh and it should be addressed and you Stefan, have addressed and, it and we need to let our children know that this is all a bunch of baloney and it's not just whites again i have to say it is not just whites the media portrays only white supremacists would be offended at this egyptians are furious about it chinese and uh, other asian uh, people groups are looking at the new little mermaid as uh, what is this this is ridiculous and so it's not it's, it's hardly just our people uh, but let's let's move on Stefan. we have about two or three minutes left in this segment uh, we're running a little bit behind what I had in mind as we typically do on this program uh, but we'll we'll catch up uh, we'll make up the time in the air as the pilots always tell me uh, let's move on to another piece you've written recently for Europa Terra Nostra and that is talking about the relative success of two right-wing uh, boycotts or conservative boycotts against uh, Target and uh, what was the other one? Anheuser Busch. Uh, that's right, Bud Light, respectively. What are the facts on that, uh, Stefan? Oh dear. <laughs> well, uh, as you probably saw in my article, I'm uh, I'm per- well, I guess before this, I was very much a uh, boycott skeptic, as it were. I've I've been around long enough to have experienced numerous boycott campaigns. Much ninety-nine percent of them just didn't seem to go anywhere. They, they lasted for about a couple of weeks, and they just sort of That's right. Out. Correct. But but this this one, I was I have to say I was pleasantly surprised to see how far this went. Uh, I, I was I've been covering this whole Dylan Mulvaney thing, Bud Light thing for yonks now, but seeing how just how insane the backlash was, I was personally surprised how American society has been outraged about this. Just seeing what's basically a uh, a man in uh, girl face, woman face, however you want to put it, just taking Bud, taking Bud Light, earning stacks and stacks of cash just by attaching his face onto the side onto the side of a beer can or to the side of whatever other fashion brand there is, and the fact that millions upon millions of Americans have lashed out against this so much, have successfully boycotted this. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it was about twenty as of as of the writing of the article. $20 billion Bud Light and the parent company and how's the Bush lost to me that's at least in my lifetime that's unprecedented how well they got to um, feel that they got to feel I mean, they're willing to take a certain loss for the greater good of their cause but 20 billion dollars I don't care how much you've got to spare that's got to sting a little bit right Stefan Oof, I mean I'm not I'm no uh, I'm not I'm not we feel $20 that. if yeah. if, we, if we got a donor out there that doesn't send well, $20 I, I, in I've got a theory about it here's what I think is happening I think that the left was driven so bonkers by Trump's election they decided to throw caution to the wind no more subtlety 
they were going full speed ahead with their agenda, which includes turning sexual depravity into a civil rights. And that is a bridge too far for a lot of people in America and Europe. And particularly, uh, you know, Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch products are kind of the working man's beer over here, kind of like Guinness is in uh, England and uh, the British Isles. And this was, you know, trying to portray and lionize some type of sexual pervert as the spokesperson for that beer was just a bridge too far for a lot of uh, uh, American working class people. And they're, they're the people that are driving this boycott. Let's take a break right there, and when we come back, we'll get Stefan's response to that, plus a few more facts and figures. It's not just Bud Light, Target as well, taking billions of dollars uh, worth of losses uh, over this. Listen, they're wrong, and they're dangerously wrong, and they're sickeningly wrong. And we love them being wrong because they've got to step in. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. Looking for an IT partner that truly understands your needs? Managed IT Services is the answer. We meet with you regularly to discuss your goals and form a tailored technology plan. Our customers have called us a trusted advisor who delivers. When it comes to IT, we do it all. Firewalls, cloud storage, server migration, and more. Say goodbye to long-term contracts and hello to a team that earns your business month after month. Call 801-706-6980 now and let Managed IT Services transform your IT experience. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at LocalHoneyMan.com. Longtime fan of his columns. It's uh, been a pleasure being able to get to know him a little bit better tonight, and this is his debut. But what I hope and trust will not be his final appearance on TPC. We're talking with Stefan Brockus of Europa Terra Nostra, Arctos Media, 
And he has uh, done us the courtesy, as so many of our international guests have done, of staying up late at their local time to be with us live this evening. And I want to thank him again, as we always do, for that. But, yes, let's continue on with the conversation we were having in the previous segment, Stefan, about uh, the, the success of these boycotts, which, as, and like you, all of the boycotts, it was a little bit of murmurs here and there with uh, so many of the previous ones over the years, going back decades now, really. It never did really amount to anything, and it, it faded as quickly as it, it, it formed. Uh, but these uh, have, um, it has to have hurt Anheuser-Busch and Target to an extent. We haven't even gotten to Target yet, but we will. And uh, we hope that that pressure can be kept on and applied elsewhere as well. But uh, continue on with uh, some of the excellent findings of your article about that, which we did cross post uh, at thepoliticalcesspool.org just this week. Well, uh, I was actually introduced to the whole target thing. uh, Actually, while, while I was writing the article, while doing my research for it, initially while writing the article, I was focusing just on the whole Bud Light thing. But then while doing my research, research into other boycotts in the US and Europe, I came across this whole Target uh, controversy, which to me was arguably more shocking, considering why Target were being boycotted. Of course, with Bud Light, you just had Dylan Mulvaney slapping his face on, on, on the cans and whatnot. But hearing that Target have been releasing LGBT-themed clothing for children with so-called tuck-friendly swimwear, for young children to accommodate transgender kids, for me that was a hundred times, a thousand times more shocking to read about. Knowing that this sort of this sort of thing is now accepted commercially in the U.S. Oh, you, if you ask people 10, 15 years ago, oh, do you really think uh, this community, the radical side of this community, will start targeting children? They would have called you a far right conspiracy theorist or whatever. I mean, they still do, but. The fact that it's everything, that, <laughs> everything, exactly every. It's 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 funny because it's just how prophetic it was back uh, back when we when we were younger. We told people, we warned you this would happen, and now it's actually happening. We're being criticised for not accepting it. We're just not, we're just not accepting that tra- transgender children exist or that children below the age of consent can somehow agree to have their whatever bodies effectively manipulated and butchered to suit an ideological agenda it's the fact that you know evil is real and i think we're seeing it firsthand in this whole lgbt transgender thing in the in the u.s today well what they're doing uh stefan is this they no longer tolerating these people that's not enough you've got to embrace them for example you've got to be okay with your child uh, having sexual transition surgery, and before any reasonable age of consent, uh, eight years old, anything goes. Oh, to, oh, and that's the thing, Keith. Oh. I mean, since 2020, it's been the George Floyd riots where non-whites were sacking cities, burning them to the ground, sack, sacking city blocks, and calling it their own mostly peaceful protests. Yeah, right. Exactly. There was that. There was the whole critical race theory being pushed in school, the transgenderism, the drag queen story hours, and it has elicited a response. Whether or not it can be substantiated and continued on into the future remains to be seen. But I think this whole thing is a house of cards. I've always thought it's a mile wide and an inch deep. Outside of the media, you're you're meeting a resistance amongst at least half of the country, tens of millions of people. A lot of people, of people will pretend not to dissipated. be liberal. That's right. when it gets that's down right. to children and who their sexual partners are, that's where people will draw the line. 
So uh, these boycotts costing at least these two companies, Anheuser-Busch via Budweiser and Target, uh, tens of billions of dollars. We'll see if it can uh, be continued. We hope that it will. But at, uh, at the end of the day, as we sit right here tonight, that's all we can talk about. We can't talk about tomorrow yet. But as we sit here tonight, this 10th uh, day of June in the year of our Lord 2023, Stephen, it's a good thing. Am I, am I right? Or I think the state of the world nowadays, especially the Western world, from a social cultural standpoint, among everything else going on at the moment, I think every, I mean, considering the extremity of what's going on, it's a bit much to say, but every cloud has a, I guess, somewhat silver lining. And I guess the silver lining in this, situ in this situation is that the amount of people that Especially, especially following on from uh, the release of Matt Walsh's uh, "What Is a Woman" documentary, as as soon as that was released for public viewing on Twitter, there has been. It seems to me there's been a massive, massive spike in public awareness in the Western world, which is worldwide, about this whole transgender agenda ideology, so to, uh, so to speak. People are now finally waking up to the fact that this is not normal. None of this has ever been normal. It will not be normal. And the fact that so many millions of people are now becoming more aware of the horrors of this ideology, this is, especially coming up to the uh, election, the US ele presidential elections next year, and the Republicans rising up in the opinion polls and Biden just nosediving, this is a very, very good time for Americans, and I guess also Canadians and anybody else with the elections coming up. A very good opportunity to essentially say to people and say to undecided voters, look, if you vote in liberals or left-wingers again, you will just get more of this. So, the, so one of the best ways to combat against this is to start supporting much more conservative, I guess much, much more nationalist uh, figures. Yeah. Well, the left... Quick comment on, yeah, from yeah. you, Keith, and i got a question well, to follow basically up. Basically, it's give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves. The left has been given enough rope now and they're hanging themselves. They're doing much more to win the argument for conservatives than conservatives could ever have done by themselves. Well, we're going to talk about this in the next hour, this most recent indictment of Donald Trump. Uh, again, you have Blue State America arresting the president of Red State America. You have a line that is dividing now, uh, which I think is necessary, that we could have never formed ourselves. They are doing the work for us. I think this is all wonderful in, in, in and, many and ways. And trial by jury no longer works in a... Uh, racially diverse nation. And that's, that's what we're proving. to be reveling in this. He's fundraising off of it. He's having a good time. I mean, he may very well go to prison. They may very well kill him. But in terms of radicalizing a, 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 an entire the half electorate. of the country, they, they couldn't, we could never do more than what our enemies are doing right now. We will talk more about that in the next hour. But uh, talking about nationalism and the rise of nationalism, uh, let's talk, uh, let's spend our last couple of minutes together, Stefan. And by the way, folks, if you want to read more, we've only covered two articles, uh, two recent articles that our guest, Stefan Brockus, has written during the live broadcast uh, this evening, the, the one on Cleopatra, the one on the boycotts. Uh, but there are so much more. If you go to thepoliticalcesspool.org, you can link over to his uh, columns uh, for Arctos, also uh, at Europa Terra Nostra. We have that at the very top of our blog at thepoliticalcesspool.org tonight. So get to know Stefan a little bit more. Uh, we will look forward to having him back on this program. But in you're, terms you're one of, of our daily reads now. That's absolutely right. Uh, and I've enjoyed talking about at least those two articles, but those are only the first two. 
but with regards to the rise of nationalism, Stefan, uh, there is a Serbian nationalistic party that you're uh, supportive of. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. And uh, we, we compared and contrasted uh, the prospects of the U.K. versus Serbia a little bit earlier this hour. In addition to telling us a little bit more about nationalistic prospects in Serbia, where are, and I love asking this of any European guest that we have on the program, where, uh, what, which European nation are we doing the best in right now? Uh, are our people doing the best in? Uh, take it away. Ooh, it's, it's quite relative depending on exactly which aspect of um, which social, cultural, national aspect you're looking for. Uh, for issues such as abortion, for example, if you're, if you're especially focused on uh, abortion issues, Poland has been very, very much heavy-handed in clamping down on all of that. Uh, LGBT uh, issues issues as well, uh, very much so. Again, Poland and Hungary have been very, very heavy-handed in stamping any of that propaganda out. Uh, Serbia uh, as well has been um, has, has been quite notable recently. Uh, uh, last September, we had the uh, Euro Pride event in Serbia, of which it was not organised by anybody in Serbia. It was organised by the European Union, and everybody who turned up to the uh, Pride Festival were not of Serb background. They were all from. They were all foreign tourists coming in into Belgrade just for that. Um, and of course, the political party that I support now in Serbia, the um, uh, in our language uh, Zavetnici, that translates into roughly into the Oath Keepers. Now they've been around since uh, the fi the fifteenth of February, twenty twelve. So about just over eleven years now. And um, they're actually led by a, a young woman, uh, Milica, uh, Milica Djurjevic-Stalankovsky. Now, she's been a big name now in Serbian politics because she's, of course, she's in European politics, actually, because she's very, very young. She's uh, turning 23 soon, uh, 23, sorry, uh, 33 soon. And she's also, of, of course, she's a young woman. She's um, expecting two, tw uh, she's expecting twins now. And that, I believe that's one of the things that makes her stand out now in the nationalist community. She's a young woman in a scene that the mainstream would consider very old generation, very masculine. So the fact that she is at the forefront in Serbian nationalist politics as a young, a young woman in a society that's generally quite masculine, it's very hopeful for, I guess, our politics in general a nationalist politics is very common back home anyway, it's very popular, but especially with her, it's it's a good message to send to people to tell them, look, nationalism is not about chauvinistic masculinism or whatever, it's also, it's also allows anybody, man, woman, young or old, to partake in this as well. We don't ignore people, we're not, uh, we're not chauvinistic, we're not nationalists, we accept everybody who's like us. Well, and, and, and that is not the only young woman who I have heard about recently. And thank you for sharing word of her with us and our audience tonight. But our friend uh, Adrian Davis over in the UK recently informed me about a young lady in Italy, I believe, uh, Isabella Peralta. Uh, so, yeah, there are, <laughs> are some out there, if anybody knows who she is, uh, that are, are doing uh, some pretty interesting things at very young ages. Uh, but that, Stefan, thank you so much for coming on tonight. 
and uh, another fast hour with a first-time guest. And don't we, be a stranger. We absolutely. Need you back. We'll roll out the red carpet for you anytime. We'd love to welcome you back. Keep the great articles coming. We'll keep talking about them, whether you're on or not, but I think we'll have you back on very soon. And Godspeed to you, and thanks again for staying up past midnight to be with us. We'll be back with the second hour right after this, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot to get into still forthcoming tonight. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, dot US. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards.
summertime in TPC. There's few things like it. Uh, it'll be Christmas time again before you know it. I mean, here we are. I remember I was year. in the seventh grade when nifty, thrifty Honda 50s came on the scene, and all the cool guys had one. And if you had a Honda 50, you would have a girl on the back seat. Ah, that was it. Well, I tell you what, uh, we still had a chance back then. <laughs> <laughs> we got a chance now, and we're gonna we're gonna win. I'm not even thinking about anything else. But Keith. Uh, as far as it goes, was it better then or now as we sit here this evening? Uh, undoubtedly better then. <laughs> okay. Now, we have uh, a little bit of a surprise in store for you later this hour. We're not going to reveal it yet, but a listener in Texas sent me a, an interesting clip. And uh, there was a guy I, I couldn't call quick enough to get his comment about it. We're going to play that for you uh, just a little bit later this hour. Uh, and then uh, some more fun in the third hour. I want to thank Stefan Brockus from Arctos Media and Europa Terra Nostra for joining us live from London during the first hour. I enjoyed talking with him about a couple of his recent articles and some other issues of the day, not the least of which our people are faring over there in the mother country. But uh, speaking of uh, British guests, uh, we've had a lot of them over the years. Uh, but uh, how about this? Now, this was something that was sent to me, uh, I believe, also from uh, the aforementioned uh, Barrister Davis and... Well, it's interesting to say the least. This is British broadcasting from a bygone era. We're thinking it's either this late fifties or early sixties. Circa late fifties, early sixties, and this is what you would have heard from the BBC back then. It is a host of a particular broadcast who is talking with a gentleman, a British gentleman who, at the time, late fifties, early sixties, was a candidate for Parliament. He was a parliamentary candidate and also uh, an official advisor to the. Egyptian government in Sudan. And remember, this is the time, that moment in history when Enoch Powell gave his Rivers of Blood speech to Parliament. So He was the first real English uh, nationalist uh, who was opposed to non-white immigration to, to uh, England. So we'll take you back there, and this is what you would have heard on the BBC back in the late 50s, early 60s. Again, parliamentary candidate, advisor to the Egyptian government in Sudan. He's talking with the host, a BBC host here, about interracial relationships. And I'm going to get it uh, potted up here in about uh, five, four, three, two, and one. Marriages, such as you, sir, I imagine, Mr. Wentworth Day, and uh, you were, in fact, an advisor to the Egyptian government and the Sudan, so you know what you're talking about. Well, I, <clears throat> I've been there and seen them in their own home surroundings. And as a parliamentary candidate, I've been into a good many working-class houses. Oh, they have. Where there have been, oh yes, indeed. Uh, where there have been many mixed marriages, and I've seen the children. And my view is this, that no first-class nation can afford to produce a race of mongrels. And that is what we're doing. Sooner or later, that's going to come back on the children. Those children are unfair hostages to the future. It's unfair on the children. It's unfair on the nation. It's one of the reasons why France is a third-class nation today. Too much mixed blood. Look at the other angle. The black man, and I refuse this humbug of talking about the colored man, he's black and we're white, has a different set of standards, values, morals, and principles. In many cases, their grandfathers were eating each other. Well, the lion doesn't change his spots in all that time. But look at it this way. They come over here, they cause housing troubles, employment troubles. Ask any landlord of working class property. Where they go in, the houses become cesspits of dirt. Now, this is not inevitable. Uh, very often. If a black man makes a lot of money, what do you find? Again, a lack of taste. He's flashy. 
He's very often arrogant. Well, to go back to mixed marriages, which is the specific subject talking about, are you implying that a half-caste is in any way mentally deficient? Definitely. But there's well, nothing to prove this at all. That unfortunate child is born with an inferiority complex. If it isn't born with it, it grows up with it. You can't possibly say that it's born with an inferiority complex. That's something that we instill into it later. We may instill it, and also the pure black people may instill it themselves. Because they have an instinctive contempt, you know, for what they call white trash. But if conditions were different, there was not the social prejudice, such as you have, and there were not the practical difficulties, then if two people were in love, wouldn't you recommend them to get married? Love is a very curious thing. It depends on how you define it. I think a lot of these mixed marriages are caused purely by downright sex hmm. or sloppy sentimentality. Have you got a daughter yourself? I have a daughter who is young, charming, intelligent, with taste and discrimination. Well, what would you feel if she said that she was going to marry a coloured man? I should strongly advise her against it. I should give her all the practical reasons why not. I should ask her if she wanted to wake up in the morning and see a coffee-coloured little imp on the uh, pillow beside her, calling her mummy. If she did marry him, I should be bitterly disappointed. Well, I couldn't disagree with you more, but at least you do say what you really feel. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so that was uh, the BBC back yeah, in the late fifties, early sixties. That guy, whoever he was, uh, called a spade a dirty shovel. Is uh, my well, it was a serious discussion. All right, and the host, of course, pushed back or at least feigned disagreement. But uh, and nevertheless, you look at uh, this was just a guy. We don't even know his name. This was just a, a representative of the of the local population. Obviously, he had some sort of a position. He was running for he, parliament. He was but, a government employee. He apparently. He probably came from a very well-to-do background. But think, look, look totally at how well-spoken, well-spoken, and polished. And I mean, certainly the standard has fallen since. Yeah, he was absolutely right with his predictions. But that that was interesting. And anyway, I'd been sitting on that for a while. And since our first guest happened to be from London tonight, I thought that would be a good way to to work that in. But uh, that was a serious. Now, of course, the host would have been fired for not uh, pushing. But first of all, the guy would have never been in, invited on a, a major broadcast television program to even give us out of the story. And if the host didn't push back any harder than that one did, he would have been fired as well. And secondly, and thirdly, you would never have found somebody saying a, 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 a the, the conservative viewpoint who was not falling all over himself trying to apologize for his position. This guy, <laughs> I mean, he was uh, strong. He didn't even enough. think about... He didn't even think about needing to apologize. Why would you apologize? No, he, he, he told the truth with authority. Uh, he told it very clearly, very plainly. Hit the nail on the head and drove it straight. As so I anyway, say. that just goes to show, I mean, that's the difference in what you could have expected to have heard even on network programming back uh, within your lifetime, Keith. Oh, absolutely. You Look, I remember the 50s and the 60s, and uh, there was not a lot of shilly-shallying around. People did not have any problem at all of taking the anti-civil rights movement position of, you know, this shame that has been instilled in people is the result of Jewish control of the media. Uh, that's why, you know, you can... I remember people like Mike Wallace trying to shame James Eastland. And it, Senator Eastland, it. yeah. Yeah. Okay, listen, we've got a surprise coming up for you. A little bit later this hour at the half hour mark. One more segment and we'll get to it. We've got another clip we're going to play. And then a man featured in this clip who will probably be well known to you uh, is going to answer himself. But we got two news stories we're going to cover in the next segment. The recent Supreme Court 
decision and Trump's latest indictment. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Busy night at TPC, as they always are. Keith, you've got two big stories to break down in one segment. And I know you struggle to do that because you're a counselor. You like to hold court. But we got to do it because that's all the time we've we're got. We're going to do it. We're booked up tonight. Uh, we actually had to bump somebody to make room for what we're doing this evening. And uh, we'll get back to them. But, all right, very quickly, the Supreme Court ruling in Alabama. So Alabama has six congressional districts. Five out of the six are helmed by Republicans. You've got one that's uh, helmed by uh, a black. Uh, they say that Alabama's uh, voting public is 26 or 27 percent black. So having one out of six districts is uh, pretty much right on par. If they had two out of six, they'd be overrepresented. But they say that uh, the lines as they are currently drawn in Alabama are disenfranchising blacks based upon the Voting Rights Act. It's the Supreme Court cucked. You had uh, Roberts and Gorsuch moving over to the left. I thought it was Kavanaugh. But... Excuse me, you are correct. You are correct. It was Roberts and Kavanaugh. That is absolutely right. Uh, that moved over to join the leftist justices. And uh, basically, if you're 25% of the population as blacks are in Alabama, you don't have 100% of the congressional seats, you're being disenfranchised. That's pretty much how I read this. Well, what do they say? Old habits are hard to break. Even though we have a conservative majority Supreme Court now, and even though there has been movement against the Voting Rights Act of 65, which is where all of this 
silliness about redistricting came from, that you couldn't redistrict in the interest of your own party. Old habits are hard to break. They're still doing it, They're even though they don't have to because they want to be invited to the right cocktail parties. They want to be considered a nice, genteel person by the establishment. The establishment, on the other hand, thinks it's nice and genteel to have children uh, having sex change operations. So I think it's time for the conservatives to stop trying to pacify and impress the left. You know, uh any time that you can win, you need to drive it home. Believe me, the if the shoe were on the other foot, the Democrats would be sure it, to they, be. It, 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 it is on the other foot in many of the states, and they do exactly that. In and the states apologizes. where the Democrats have control, they gerrymander the districts to give themselves the benefit. In states like this, you have Alabama. They've done the same thing. One out of six, that's pretty much on par. We've got uh, to stop being ashamed of acting in our own interest. And uh, in Texas, which is a Republican state, you have a district that was carved out especially for the radical black malcontent, Sheila Jackson Lee. We've talked about this uh, district before with Steve King. Her district looks like a kid uh, took uh, a pencil, uh, a, a kindergartner took a pencil and just started drawing jagged edges on a, on a piece of paper. Her district has, it's completely nonsensical the way it's drawn. And, and that is only there Lee. to give her a seat. And Sheila Jackson Lee is one of society's chronic malcontents. She must have one of the lowest IQs of anybody in Congress. But she gets this position, this safe position, where in she, a Republican state, by the way, in a Republican a, state, in metropolitan Houston, in, in a state where they could obviously have gerrymandered her out, but they did not because white people believe that the proper approach is heads I win, tails. Uh, uh, I mean, heads you win, tails I lose. Well, now Alabama's going to have to go back and redraw their districts. I hope they have enough guts to redraw them even more. Yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> you've got to look. We're in a fight for our lives, people, and if we don't take advantage of every political advantage that we have, we are going. Well, they to already lose. raped. And once and once we lose, it's lost forever. They already raped and robbed Alabama of having Roy Moore as a senator from all of the or Jeff Sessions made up. Ran, uh, you know, well, this, the whole he chose thing. to leave, but anyway, but it, well, regardless, a big loss at the Supreme Court this week, but uh, we move on. Hasn't been our first loss, uh, but that's okay. Now, let's talk about Trump's indictment. Now, he's been indicted in New York, as you know. Now he's been indicted in Florida this week, and he's going to have to do the same thing. He's going to have to go to the courthouse. He's going to have to plead guilty or not guilty. He may or may not be in handcuffs. He's still going to get indicted in Georgia when Fannie Willis of, uh, of gets Atlanta around gets around to it, and it's coming. Uh, so it's almost comical. I mean, it's very serious. I mean, the message being sent is it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire. It doesn't matter if you're a media mogul. It doesn't matter if you're a former president. If you get out of line, we're going to put you down. And that's the lesson to all of you dissidents out there. If we can take down a guy like this, we'll take you down. But in the meantime, in the meantime, Trump is fundraising off of it. He seems to be having a good time with it. He's still obviously running. But this whole thing, uh, the media, oh, isn't it great that nobody's above the law? Well, everybody's above the law if they go along with the system narrative. Yeah, if right. one guy like steps Biden. out half a step like Trump, uh, then this is what uh, you that, get. Or that, Elon that Musk or Kanye West. But what do we got? Well, what's your? it's a racial thing again, okay? He's being prosecuted by black prosecutors in majority black venues. 
you have trial by jury, our traditional uh, safeguard. Well, you're talking about New York and Atlanta. I don't know about the Southern District of Florida. It's probably all right. But Well, I guarantee you there are a lot of non-whites down there. And nonetheless, they know that they that the trial by jury will not work. The people, well, he said oh, that. That's why he didn't defend himself against the E. Jean Carroll stuff. He said, yeah. you cannot get a fair trial in these districts. Well, what they don't tell you, for example, you hear about runaway juries and uh, personal injury cases. They never tell you that the runaway juries are always in majority-minority venues. That's where the people can't believe that they've been handed well, someone we, else's checkbook. Well, we've talked about that. we talked about that. Well, I know, but what I'm saying, though, is that it's very pertinent on this point, though, that as long as, you know, you cannot trust – minorities not to vote tribally for their own people and against the interests of white people. And that's what Trump is learning. That's what the rest of the nation is learning. This is, you know, when they, when things can't go on forever, they won't. This situation where our judicial system has been totally corrupted by, uh, you know, integration and by uh, immigration policy, things like this, this is the result of it. Basically, anybody, any white person in a place like New York or Atlanta or Philadelphia, you're toast. If you have a that's the uh, question, Keith. That's the question I have for you. Uh, as a what is it? A, a, a ward of the court? What do they call you? Uh, a, a, uh, a member, officer of the officer court. of the court. Yeah. Black man in uh, facing an all white jury in 1950s Mississippi, or Donald Trump facing an all black jury or majority black jury in New York or Atlanta, who has a better chance at receiving justice? The black person in Mississippi in 1950. There you go. So anyway, so the the Trump indictments. I mean, obviously, this is only, and I think this is good for us. It's wonderful in some ways. It further polarizes the electorate. Nobody who who was it, it radicalizes them. Nobody who was a Trump supporter before is going to see this and say, oh, well, I was wrong about him. Uh, no, it's only going to further weaken and erode their, their faith in the system, which is good for us. And I think our only possible path to salvation is if, is if people say, but, we have to have something new. We're not reforming the system. Well, Fox News and all the other so-called conservative media outlets, they will never say that it's a racial matter and that that's why pr Trump is being prosecuted, where he's being prosecuted, and why his prospects are so well, Fox grim. Fox News is no friend of ours. Tucker no, was no, all right. See, but... that, this, this is what I'm saying, though. See, people need to realize they need to go one step further. This is not just Democrat shenanigans against a Republican candidate. It is black shenanigans against a white person. And, and of course, the left-wing hate groups. The ridiculously named Anti-Defamation League, they need to take out the anti, all they are is a defamation league. The SPLC, who actually has outright ties to someone who's been accused and arrested and uh, arrested and charged with domestic terrorism, they put they, they updated their hate watch list. Now, we are still on there now for almost 20 years running. I'm always very proud of that. I'm always excited to be able to tell you we're still on the list. But they put the Moms for Liberty on the hate watch list. Now, Moms for <laughs> Liberty, I know. Moms for Liberty is a group of, like, school moms who don't want the, their children to be taught that they need to lop off their sex organs at, in grade school. Uh, but they're on the hate watch list now. Yeah, I mean, a certified hate group. Uh, moms for Apple Pie will be the next ones on here. You know, this is well, just... they have the singing nuns of Spokane on there. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not joking. That's their name. Well, that's what we need to do. We need to give our... Uh, 
advocacy groups names like the Singing Nuns of Portland. I guarantee like you the Singing and Nuns and the Moms for Liberty have never had anybody arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. The SPLC but that's not that. for lack of trying by the SPLC. <laughs> so the enemy is doing, I mean, we bring this up, exactly what we would have them do. I mean, they, are, they have done more to get our people to realize certain truths than I, I think even uh, we, with all of our talent, the best efforts could have done. Uh, because they're doing it on such a, a wider scale. Well, we're being censored. They're doing all this stuff out right in the open, and, and people are seeing it and, and saying, no, hang on a minute, something's not right here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But the, this whole persecution of Trump, Donald Trump is the only elected official who, I don't even believe he's done anything wrong, but you're, you're telling me he's the only one that's done something that's a, an indictable offense? Why don't anybody, I've never heard of anybody else getting indicted. Jim Trafficking, I mean, people who were decent get indicted. All of these other career criminals, they never get indicted. Yeah, I tell you what, Trump has all the right enemies, I'll have to say that. All right, well, we've got to take a break. You're talking about needing to get to the next step. We're going to bring on a surprise guest who was on with us recently. Uh, we weren't expecting to have him back so soon, but uh, we'll, we're, we're, we're having him back. He looks like a guy who get you to the next step. We got the guy next. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Varmesh. Former President Trump is calling his criminal indictment a, quote, travesty of justice. The ridiculous and baseless indictment of me by the Biden administration's weaponized Department of Injustice will go down as among the most horrific abuses of power in the history of our country. Many people have said that. Democrats have even said it. Trump speaking on Saturday in Georgia. Alan Sanders, professor emeritus of political science at St. Peter's University in New Jersey, says it was an expected tone from Trump. This is entirely in keeping with Trump's strategy. Consolidate your base with whatever lies or whatever conspiracy theories or whatever um, machinations you can conjure up that will activate your base. A 37-count federal indictment was unsealed on Friday in connection to Trump's handling of classified documents at his home in Florida after leaving office. President Biden has a message for transgender children and the entire LGBTQ community. You are loved. You are heard. You are understood. And you belong. Biden spoke Saturday on the South Lawn at what he called the biggest pride celebration ever at the White House. America's most prolific bomber has died. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was found dead in his prison cell at the age of 81. He'd been moved to a medical facility in North Carolina in December of 2021 due to his failing health. Kaczynski evaded capture for nearly 20 years and was known as America's most prolific bomber. Here's former FBI Special Agent Clint Watts. He was Sending mail bombs, uh, I think as late as the 1970s, going well into the 1990s, if I remember correctly. And it was during the era when we were worried about domestic terrorism. Kaczynski's 16 bombings resulted in three deaths and more than two dozen injuries before he was finally arrested in 1996. I'm John Schaefer. This is USA News. Right now, you can eliminate odors, mold, mildew, bacteria, and viruses in your home with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm uses oxy technology that naturally sends out O3 molecules that seek out and destroy odors. The thunderstorm doesn't mask or cover up bad smells, it eliminates them, leaving that fresh, clean smell, just like after a thunderstorm. The thunderstorm is small, plugs right into the wall, and fits in the palm of your hand. 
put one in your basement, bedroom, family room, kitchen, or anywhere you want clean, fresh air. It even includes a USB cord for your car or truck. Right now, save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. That's three units for under $200, a fraction of the cost compared to other air purifiers. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use discount code USA3 to save $200. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use USA and the number three. Shipping is free. Ladies and gentlemen, earlier this week I received from a very loyal and longtime listener and friend from Texas the following clip that was recently played on The Daily Show. This is obviously a very mainstream uh, broadcast. And the title of it is, uh, the title of the clip is, These Conservatives Sound Like the KKK. And uh, you'll hear Marjorie Taylor Greene say something and then David Duke say something back from uh, the past. Then you'll have a couple of other people speak. Then you hear Donald Trump saying something and David Duke saying something. Then you hear Tucker Carlson saying something and then David Duke saying something. The description of this particular clip, which aired on The Daily Show, uh, reads, Conservatives like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Tucker Carlson, and Donald Trump spout ideas identical to those from David Duke. Let's listen to it. It's a minute long. Joe Biden's five million illegal aliens are on the verge of replacing you. The government of this country is on course to replace us with non-Europeans, non-white people. And coming from all over the world, they're also replacing your culture. All the people coming in, it's even affecting the culture of the country. That's right, they want you to disappear. We need to actually get up and fight for the white race or there ain't gonna be no white race. They care more about the illegal immigrants at the border than they do the American people. They're giving out handouts to them. The country just don't care about us Americans. It's all about a handout to all the illegal immigrants. If you're white, you have to go to the back of the line discriminating against white people. There is racial discrimination going on right now in this country against massive numbers of white Americans. Anti-racist is a whole weird ideology that, quite frankly, tries to make white people second-class citizens. White Americans are being treated as second-class citizens. There are now two standards of justice. The dual system of justice. The foreign-born population is now growing by 132,000 people every month. The non-whites are reproducing rapidly. Eventually, there'll be no more native-born Americans. Our people are having few children. We've got to start protecting our race. How precisely is diversity our strength? So how is diversity our strength? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I saw that clip, and uh, David Duke was back with us most recently on the May 20th broadcast. prophetic from the very beginning. For two hours. But I saw that, and I thought that was uh, reason enough to call him back uh, a little bit, uh, a mite early. David, welcome back to the show. You saw that. I saw that. Basically, the so-called conservatives are uh, of today are using your issues. You were right then. Your, uh, they your are language. Right in, they are right in these instances, using your very language, as the, the uh, Trevor Noah show was able to put together and i think that's a good thing what do you say i think it's uh i think it's an interesting acknowledgement anyway and but the sad thing is is that i meant it and when i got elected to the house of representatives <laughs> in louisiana uh, i actually got a bill passed in the house of representatives which caused a lot of ruckus around the country unfortunately not much imitation because nobody else elected in the whole country was willing to offer the bill that i 
offered and get it even passed in, in their legislative body. And it was a bill that forbid racial discrimination against everyone, but specifically outlawed affirmative action programs, which were nothing more than racial discrimination against white people. Now, from the time that I was 15 years old, 16 years old, I've been speaking about this. I went to LSU in 68. America was still a 90% white country. I said then that you may not believe this, but there's going to be a time, by the time we reach retirement age, and by the way, I'm there a little past it, by the time we reach that time, we're going to be heading for minority status. We're going to be outnumbered and outvoted in our country, and very soon they're going to be able to cause the balance of power to take over our government. And, and I said, you know what, this, uh, this power structure, these, the blacks that are going to be enfranchised, the blacks that are going to get these so-called civil rights, they're going to be worse off than ever. They're going to be killing one another. You're going to see a destruction of the black family. Uh, and that's exactly what you do see, uh, the insanity that is going on. And any, many blacks are talking about this. There's a great movie right now called uh, Uncle Tom 2 and Uncle Tom 3 coming out where they talk about the house, the whole civil rights thing was a con. So it wasn't really about civil rights. It was really about taking away the rights of European Americans, even more importantly than the individual rights we had for a certain time, like being discriminated against in jobs and scholarships and promotions. We have a government in this country that says how evil it is to discriminate against a young black person. And I agree with that, but it's just as evil to discriminate against a better qualified white person, and that's what affirmative action is all about. It's discriminating against well, people who work harder and study harder. Movement day. The civil yeah, rights movement was a big lie. was not pro-black so much as it was anti-white. Yeah, and it was basically was about politically enfranchising these people because most half of these blacks didn't don't read and write. They don't pay attention to this kind of stuff. And but they knew that they if they could just get these registered these blacks. And by the way, I don't believe in voter registration drives. I, I don't want people voting who don't care about voting. I don't want people voting who are not intelligent enough to read and understand and try to get to the bottom of things. It's in a way that is exactly what our founding fathers were worried about when they gave us the Constitution and they allowed very strict regulations and qualifications for voting. And all those because, things they had back in the Civil Rights Movement, David, that they found so objectionable, like literacy tests and yeah. uh, whatnot, yeah. that's just basically in line with what the founding fathers' vision of voter responsibility should be. But, you know, it, it, I mean, this is another thing that's really important for all of us to understand. If people want to put their resentment against black people, black people are black people. But the real, the real bad actors in this whole thing were the Jewish leaders of the media, Hollywood, gangster rap, and all this other stuff that demonized white people and inbred into black people a deep hatred in their hearts Correct. against white people. And, and you know what? It's resulted in massive violence against us. And that's what's nothing is ironic. The lies of the Jewish media are just so intense. I mean, think about it. They tell us every day that black people are being killed by white people. If you watch a movie and there's a cross rape in the movie, who it's always not, not a uh, black raping a white woman, which is the more common cross-racial crime in this country. In fact, it's a hundred times more, more, regular, times more expected than the other way around. It's really, it's massive crimes against white women, massive. Of course, all these people that talk to us about women's rights and women's dignity and all that Me Tooism, they don't talk about 
this horrific, just what do you say, epidemic of of rape against against children. Against well, somebody pointed out girls. recently, David, that if you watch Law and Order and its spinoffs, you would think that seventy five percent of the right. murders committed in America are committed by white well, businessmen. And all if you had any cross-racial crime, it would be shows. white people killing black people and then blaming an innocent black person for it. When the reality is the United States Justice Department figures show that even though black males, which are most of the criminals, are 6% of the population of the United States, they're murdering or raping or assaulting 560,000 white people every year, plus killing a lot of black people as well, more black people than white people. In fact, white people are a small percentage of the, of the crime against anybody, whites or blacks. It's just amazing to think about, about this stuff, and that's the reality. But they demonized us, and this is not about, the NAACP was not about empowering blacks. Civil rights was not about empowering blacks. It was about creating a balance of power for the Jewish takeover of America. And what you're saying about Trump is ultimately, Trump didn't take on the Jews directly. In fact, he said everything nice about Jews. He, came, he was out of New York and he knew Jewish people. They still power. hate his guts. Yeah, of course they hate his guts. They hate his guts because he had an agenda that conflicted with a Jewish agenda. And the Jewish agenda was to dispossess white people in this country the same way they used Jews, their own people, to dispossess the Palestinians in Palestine. They wanted to make black uh, and other minorities a huge section of the population. Then they wanted to demonize white people, inspire them with hatred and lies like they're being killed by whites to vote against white people. Now, this thing about Alabama is very interesting because when you look at Alabama, I'm very familiar with Alabama. So they say, okay, so they have to redraw the map. They can't have any sort of districts that are in line just with the population area. But they tell us every day it shouldn't matter what the, what the population of a district is or a country is. They say that shouldn't matter. But they sure think it matters in Alabama. They have to distribute these blacks and concentrate them even by weird uh, borders for their counties and so forth so that they can maximize black regulation. They don't give a damn about any sort of white representation. You know, I got 65% of the white vote for the United States Senate Amazing. and for the United States, for the, for the governor of Louisiana, 65%. So whites are two thirds of the population of Louisiana. So 65% of that group voted for me. Hundreds of thousands but, of votes. I mean, you, yeah, massive, but blacks, massive votes. but listen to this now, blacks and who were being used as a tool against, you know, for the Jews, that's what, that's what it really was. And it was Jewish money and it was Jewish media. that created this whole thing. They were being used, right, in, in this whole campaign to do what? It was very, very simple. It was simply to get their people in power in the Democratic Party and these Jews who were controlling the Democratic Party and much of the Republican Party. And by the way, when people say it's Democrats or Republicans or they say liberals or conservatives, the common denominator is not, not any of those groups. The common denominator yeah. is Jews. And Jews right. are the ones that are destroying our country. Quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> he never pulls a punch, does he, Keith? We'll be right back, David Duke. 
Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. In Message 1, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8.44, gave the left evil, spiritual power, the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13.2 The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. Ladies and gentlemen, before we continue with the one and only David Duke, former member of the Louisiana State House of Representatives, former Republican nominee for governor, former Republican nominee for United States Senate out of the state of Louisiana, uh, I want to remind you that our second quarter fundraising drive is well underway. and We do need your support to stay on the air. A year ago at this time, we always try to give you thoughtful incentives, unique incentives, the kind of incentive gifts to encourage you to donate that you could not receive anywhere else. And we certainly did that a year ago at this time when we were offering you a signed photo of David Duke's artwork, uh, a photograph he had taken in Europe signed in gold paint ink. I actually met with David about a year ago at this time in Defunyak Springs, night. <laughs> Florida. It was a stormy night. That's Dark right. Dark and stormy night. It was. He was traveling uh, through many uh, one of his many appearances. I happened to be on a vacation with my family, and we met in Defunyak Springs, and we had a meal together. And, uh, Defuniak and Springs, signed. I think it is. Defuniak. Right. Okay, Defuniak Springs, uh, Florida, there in the panhandle. And he signed photo after photo after photo that so many of you have received. And, David, I'll have you know, that was a year ago now. Uh, summer of last year. That was so one of your best fundraisers. Absolutely, it absolutely was because the well, gift we'll have was to so do another unique. picture for Christmas. Uh, you you're on, my friend. You're on, and I will tell you the kind of people that the the ADL wouldn't know whether to you know what or go blind if they knew the doctors, the attorneys, the uh, you know the people of uh, the the people who make this country what it is the first responders who who paid to get that who donated to get that it was a wonderful thing we've got another one uh also unique uh, maybe not that unique as 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 
that particular photo, but we've got a pretty good uh, fundraising incentive package for you this quarter as well. Uh, so we'd encourage you to donate so you can continue to hear radio like this and guests like this. Now, um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, David, a young man up in New York, said that clip that we played a moment ago, uh, the Trevor Noah clip from The Daily Show, uh, he actually was uh, subjected to in his class. This was how the, the teacher was saying, hey, this is how evil the Republicans are. Everything they say sounds like David Duke. But I was reading an article this week, uh, Pat Robertson. Mm -hmm. Now, I said Pat Robertson, not the other Pat that we know and love so well. But Pat Robertson was called home to his eternal reward this week. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the third hour. Uh, but there was an article. Pat Robertson has been a... a, a completely savaged by the press uh, in, in light of his passing. And they said Pat Robertson in 1998 gave rise to David Duke and Pat Buchanan, who were basically running in overlapping campaigns in 91 and 92, who gave rise to Donald Trump. And so they linked Bu uh, Robertson to Duke Buchanan and then to Trump. You wouldn't have had Trump without that uh, breadcrumb trail. But they're saying there was a common denominator with the issues. These are winning issues, as Buchanan himself wrote in the Houston Chronicle, October 24, 1991. Take a hard look at David Duke's portfolio of winning issues and expropriate those not in conflict with GOP principles. Duke's message comes across as middle class, uh, merit-based, populist, and nationalist. And so what? You know, the reason, David, and I'll tell you this, and I told you this on the phone earlier today, the yeah. reason why you are the world's most savaged man by the media is because you were the biggest threat. Uh, you were the biggest threat. You biggest very nearly were governor. You came a lot close to winning governor uh, than anybody else. It was incredible. I had no millions and or billions like Donald Trump has, and uh, but I came very, very close, and I'm just sorry we didn't get it all the way. But let me tell you one thing, though. I did pass some legislation when I was in the House of Representatives, at least in my body. But the sad thing is we have all these Republicans who often say something about affirmative action now, negative. Has one of them filed a bill, like when their prior times in the state legislatures that they served in are in Congress? And just, just wouldn't that be instructive just to file a bill in the United States Congress and say, we got a bill here that is going to tell you the civil rights for every American, and we are not going to allow any race to be discriminated against who's more merit meritorious for any position that's a government position or a college position, anything supported by the taxpayers. All these positions have to be awarded on merit, and you can't discriminate against any race, including white people. But you know what? Not one Republican would do that. Donald Trump talked about us going by the back of the bus and how we are being discriminated against. He didn't say one word about it in, a, in an evening message to the people of the United States. I mean, it's un he's disappointed. But at the same time, we got to understand, he did talk about immigration as our key chief threat. And he, I, the reason why I supported Trump in the last race, even though I was disappointed after his first four years, was because I knew the alternative was even worse. In, in just the first few months, the first year or so of the Biden administration, no more immigrants in the history of America have come in. They're flooding us. And this is going to be changed for all time in this country. And if Trump would have been elected, I think the lumbers would still be low today. All this stuff that Biden did wouldn't have happened. And I don't think we've been in war with Ukraine and these other things as well. But still, here's the point. The reason they hate Trump is because he began to challenge their agenda on the global scale. And part of their agenda, you see, was to get 
our minds off of our well-being in our own country. It's not the borders of Ukraine that are important or the borders of Iran or Iraq or Israel that's important. The important thing is the borders of this country. The important thing is our own people surviving in our own country. And that's not what's happening. We have a government. The government of the United States is the enemy of America. And you know what? The Russian foreign minister of Russia, Lavrov, actually talked to Europe and talked to America in a speech and said, unless Europe stops this immigration and changes this change in, stops this change in their countries and America stops it and the rest of the Western world stops it, they're over. They're going to be destroyed. Russia is trying to increase the, the white birth rate. Russia and Russian proper of, of Russia, the Russia is part of other countries which are somewhat non-Russian, obviously, but they have to have this alliance because if that was broken, then they couldn't stand up to the, the, the global Jewish agenda. But, but, but the truth is that Russia is on our side. It's a Christian nation. And all of you, don't let yourself be fooled for those of you who are Christians. Putin's a Christian. They built 60,000 churches. They don't go with LGBTism. They don't go with all these kind of programs that we've got going on in this country. They don't let the organs of their little girls and boys be castrated or taken off or, or, or mutilated. Well, David, they don't let this happen. David, let me say this on your behalf. You are the canary in the coal mine, as that uh, clip from the Trevor Noah show shows. And I think one of the crucial things that you add to the debate that no one else does is that you talk about Jewish power and influence candidly. Until people understand the Jewish connection behind all of this, all, yep. all the leftism, every left-wing egalitarian movement had their genesis with Jewish power and influence. Until they understand that, they'll never solve the problem. All right, let's let that yeah, be a statement. Right. I've got a question. David, i got to ask well, you. Well, the biggest lie is, Jewish, is white supremacy. It's not white supremacy in this country, we all know. It's Jewish supremacy. That's the reality. And the real racist, the ultimate racist on planet Earth are the Jews. And this is the element. This is the establishment that Christ fought against in his ministry and why the Jews wanted to crucify Christ because he was bringing a message to the Gentiles of the world on all humanity, but the Jews didn't want that because they wanted to be supreme over everybody else. And so they fought Christ, they persecuted Christ, and the whole New Testament is about the Jewish persecution and hate against Christians. And they still hate Christianity today. And there in their Hollywood, they're the ones who are destroying Christianity and they're destroying the European people. It's okay to preserve your people and be a Christian. But at All the same right. time, we've got to recognize that Jews wanted to rule everybody else. We don't want to do that as white people. We just simply want to preserve our own people, our own heritage, our own faith. We're like Greta Garbo. We want to be left alone. I agree with all of that, David. And i got to ask you this, my friend, uh, before we run out of time. I mean, again, we're bringing David on tonight. A little surprise uh, nugget here for you, ladies and gentlemen. In light of you know, this I'll come on every week for 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> I would love to, believe me. Uh, we had you on for two hours, which is it, it, almost unprecedented. We never have a guest on longer for an hour. David Duke comes on. He wants to stay on two hours, three hours. We let him. Uh, March 20th, a great and powerful show. Got a tremendous amount of feedback. Uh, back, excuse me, uh, not March 20th, May 20th. Uh, but he's back on tonight in light of this clip. But i got to ask you, I mean, a lot of people have been attacked. Uh, but the biggest threats they actually try to put in prison, and I think that's what they're trying to do with Donald Trump, to try and take him out of yeah. the box. Yeah. You know, I had a good conversation about that earlier today. They did do that with you uh, for, for yeah. at least a while. What do you, and it, what is and your it was, reaction and with the couple minutes? And it was total BS, if I can use that well, word. Well, we're not going to relitigate that. We know that. But we're uh, not going to let, The point, the point the, is, is they want to put him in. This is 100 years imprisonment they're saying that he's committing espionage 
the, and by the way, the entire effort to impeach him, the entire effort, he's going to be in five or six different courts and in venues like in Manhattan. Where while, that was he's a running Jewish for office, while he's running for president, he's going to be yeah, going to have exactly. multiple indictments. This, this, is, this is just like the Soviet Union when the Jews in the Soviet Union were taking over and murdering tens of millions of Christians. People think I might be crazy to say this. This is eventually coming here. They want to kill us and they want to replace us. And my God, Lord, God, help our children unless we stand up and defend our Hold people. Hold on to your guns in the Second Amendment. That's the only difference between us and the Kulaks. Well, that's right. Uh, but, we also, but, the, but the thing is, I hear people talking Soviet tough Union. all the time. I'm not advocating violence. I think right now with their power, they have to eavesdrop on you and track you and satellite you and everything else. You've got to win the hearts of the people. That's the only way we can win this battle. But I hear tough people, Amen. people tough talking all the time, but they'll never even talk about the people. The enemy is doing this to us. This is a well, Jewish thing. You know, you're right. You're, I've always said that the, the, my cold dead hands NRA types, the first yeah. knock at the door, they're giving away their guns. So this is it. We got to. Right. I agree but, with you. Yeah, but, but they're going to they're going to wet their pants if if, <laughs> if if they were asked to mention the Jews at. You know, at, at the city council meeting or, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. Yeah, they, they, they will cuck on everything else. But when it comes time to live or die, they're going to fight. I don't think so. So we got to we got to yeah. fight this. We got to fight this way as we're fighting. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, don't advocate for violence. So perpetuate it. Don't engage in it. Don't say anything you wouldn't say or do in front of a government agent or a, in a court of law. Right. That's oh, yeah. Be, be, be nonviolent. And I urge violence, not only from a moral standpoint, but that's the only way we can win. And that begins by telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Look, you can find me at davidduke.com. You can also find me on the Rinse Radio Network every morning weekdays at 10 a.m. Central Time. And you can also find me on Gab at Real David Duke and Odyssey at Real David Duke. And go to my Odyssey. And by the way, listen to my programs. You can get them on archive this week. Go to DavidDuke.com. And you can also find links and gab. And and listen to them. I think you're really going to get an education. got to go there. And Ladies and gentlemen, this guy is one of my best friends in life. Known him for a long, long time. Friend of the family. You can find yeah. him at DavidDuke.com. Now, the first uh, Republican presidential debate is scheduled for August 23rd. Can you believe we're already in an election president? Yeah. presidential election season? Now, Donald Trump may or may not be there. He may or not, may not be in court or in jail. He may then, be in prison. You don't know. Uh, DavidDuke.com. I mean, well, David Duke will be at DavidDuke.com. Just remember, the New Testament's full of one good line. It says, no one spake of him for fear of the Jews. That's exactly uh, that's what's right. going on with Donald Trump. That's right. Yeah, go read about the, the crucifixion. They freed Barabbas, did they not? Yeah, the Pharisees uh, of old are the Jews of today. <laughs> All right, uh, gentlemen, we have to push a pause there. David, we love you. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for coming on tonight. A little surprise appearance, and uh, we'll be back uh, with more next. Stay tuned. is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile, by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, 
Despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers, he stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at heathenherbs.com. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. From north to south to east to west, listen and you'll hear the voice of George C. Wallace ringing loud and clear. He's speaking to America, his words are wise and true. And if you really love your country, here's what you'll do. Stand up for America. Let's vote to keep it free. We're about to be destroyed by a great society. There's rotting. And looting, and the cities are being burned. How much more will it take 
for Washington to learn. Take time to look around you at the problems that we face. You'll see that the great society has been a great disgrace. Stand up for America. Let's vote to keep it free. The Texan is going back to his ranch. That's where he I got to give the audience credit when I say this, uh, folks, uh, those who have kept us on the air for now 19 years, there will never be another program like TPC, Keith Alexander. There will never be another show like this who can reach back into the past, into the past, as we have done, who has interviewed the breadth of guests, as we have done, who has had the history that we have had, and including an interview with uh, George Wallace's son himself, George Wallace Jr., uh, which we have talked about recently, and we actually replayed that not too long ago. We also uh, did Drew Lackey, the uh, Montgomery yeah. police chief that uh, fingerprinted Rosa Parks. We've also, uh, you know, had the people, the, the survivors of the USS Liberty, which happened this week, by the way. That's the right. That was the first week of June. Fantastic, Keith. Thank you for remembering that. And then also there were people who worked for Wallace who were members of his campaign who traveled the country with him. You know, people talk about Ross Perot this, Ross Perot that. Ross Perot got X percentage of the vote in 1992, in 1996. He didn't carry any states as a third-party candidate. George Wallace did. He carried a lot of states. And who was the most famous of those uh, speech writers and uh, uh, functionaries? The grandfather or the step-grandfather of, of a, a couple of ladies in our listening audience. And I, I, I should say... I actually talked to two members of George Wallace's campaign staff this week, and you know them, members of the old Council of Conservative Citizens, yep. Bill Lord and Ray Martin. They're still alive and kicking. I mean, they're a little bit older than God I am. God bless them both. And but I they were out there with George on that campaign trail. Now, we got to get to our guest. But well, I, I, well, let me just say this. Very you quickly. know, the guy I was thinking about was the guy that wrote Outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, what was his name? Uh, well, who's to say? But anyway, he wrote uh, something about Little Tree. He basically uh, was a speechwriter, and he probably, I think he wrote the segregation. Uh, well, that was now, George. Yeah, that was Carter. Yesterday, the Carter. Yeah, yeah, that's who we're talking about. That's who, that's who we know. Asa Carter, I think. Yeah, that, that's correct. It. Right, yeah. All right, so uh, that's right. and uh, that, Very uh, talented writer, by the way. And related to a couple of ladies in our listening audience, uh, as it were. But nevertheless, and fantastic ladies, I might add. Yeah. Uh, so let's move now back to, now we're back on a southern theme of things. We've had seven, count them, seven first-time guests making debut appearances on the program in this calendar year 2023 here on TPC, our 19th year on the air. One of the ones uh, was John Hill back in our Confederate History Month. That was the closest living descendant of Lieutenant General A.P. Hill, Confederate Lieutenant General A.P. Hill. Now he's back on the show right now to share some exciting news. Now he was a real... Uh, bright spot uh, uh, amongst many during our Confederate History Month series earlier this year. You want to go back uh, in April and listen to his hour on the radio, and you can hear him talking about his own uh, background and, of course, the history of his Kiffin wonderful Ken. ancestor, Lieutenant General A.P. Hill. 
Uh, so go check that out. But he's back tonight. We always hear articles in the news about Confederate monuments coming down and being taken down and being destroyed. How about one that's being minted? How about one that's being created right now and that's going to be raised up? He's going to tell us about it right now. John, pardon the long introduction, but please, my friend, take it away and tell us the good and exciting news. Well, I'll start off with saying that I uh, started a business for AP Hill. And it's called the AP Hill Legacy Foundation. And that's actually official. I just got the certificate from the state in the mail and the EIN number and all that. So I'm just waiting to set up a business bank account. And then I'll have a PO box and a website set up. And then everything will be good to go. Um, so I was just in Gettysburg meeting up with uh, Mr. Gary Castile. He is the one who did the Longstreet Monument in Gettysburg, plus many others. And me and him had a meeting on uh, June 5th, which is my birthday. And uh, he's going to be doing my AP Hill monument. I gave him the design ideas and we talked it over and everything's good to go. We talked about how phase one, the payment to get it started and everything. And uh, he's going to have an official finished sketch. Probably he said within about 30 days, he'll have a sketch. That is incredible. So you're talking about a renowned artist when it comes to making these historical monuments and memorials and statues. Uh, he is going to be crafting a new monument to Confederate General A.P. Hill, your ancestor, and that is mm -hmm. no small deal. So, again, the left always celebrates. If they're able to take a scalp, so to speak, and remove a, a monument from some municipality or town or whatever. But th this bald-headed uh, person is growing their hair back, though, now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is uh, something that, that uh, is going to be new. This isn't a monument that we're getting out of storage or receiving from somewhere else. We're going to put in some place. This is something that is brand new from a renowned artist that's going to go where, John? It's going to go uh, right outside of Lexington in uh, Lee Jackson Memorial Park. And I haven't released any of the details about my design ideas on the monument, but I, I was waiting to do it on your show. Um, so the original monument that was erected in 1892, it shows General Hill in a full uniform holding his saber. I, to me, that didn't really capture. Uh, I loved it. I love the monument. I mean, we're still in a legal battle for it. Uh, even if we win the original one back, now we'll have two instead of just one. Um, but it, did, it didn't capture the spirit of A.P. Hill. The Marshall So spirit. my design idea, yeah, my, my design idea was to have him in a battle shirt because he always wore battle shirts like uh, they're like calico red shirts or hunting shirts that his wife always made for him. And he basically had a mini arsenal on him when he walked around. So he wore his battle shirt and his trousers, his cavalry boots. He always had a slouch hat pulled low on his brow, and he carried uh, two single-shot horse pistols, one on each hip. He carried two 1851 Colts in his belt, tucked in his belt. He carried a large butcher knife, like a Bowie knife, and he carried a saber. So he carried a total of four pistols and two blades. I can win with a guy and like that. And that's what the monument <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he, he survived and the, right until the week of Lee's surrender at Appomattox. So he went through four years. I guarantee you. To the end. I guarantee you in four years he came out ahead. He came, he came out ahead. We, we'll be right back with the closest living descendant of Lieutenant General A.P. Hill, John Hill himself, 
right after this. Stay tuned, everybody. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. America was founded as sovereign states with right. Now the states are being conquered by Washington with might. Our Constitution gives the states the sovereign right to choose their form of local government. That's right, we must not lose. Stand up for America. Let's credit is due that was jack ryan jack ryan was the one who introduced me to that campaign uh, commercial and song for george wallace i'd never heard that before even after all the thank heavens for the internet i tell you what well, all these gems the from the past jack found it are there jack the, he doesn't want to be called a yankee he's he's a midwesterner he's from the, the chicago area but he, he he found that i didn't even know about that uh, but that that's wonderful stuff. The last third-party candidate to ever carry a state, and he carried more than one. He carried a few. George Wallace, you never know who you're going to hear from here on TPC. And you know what? It's just like we had David Duke saying things that are now being parroted by the uh, leadership of the Republican Party and the primary commentators like Tucker Carlson. Well, guess what? The principles of George Wallace are now the principles of the Republican Party. 
Well, uh, you never know who you're going to hear from here on TBC. You could hear from George Wallace's son, who we've interviewed, or you could hear from Mel Gibson's dad, who we've also interviewed. Uh, But what we have here tonight, who we have here tonight is John Hill, the closest living descendant of Lieutenant General Confederate, Lieutenant General A.P. Hill, Ambrose Powell Hill. Had a wonderful biographical hour with uh, John talking about his ancestor, A.P. Hill, back during our Confederate History Month series in April. Uh, But he's back on with us tonight because we're celebrating the fact that a brand new monument, a brand new statue uh, to uh, his ancestor, uh, Confederate General A.P. Hill, is going to be uh, created and raised in Lexington, Virginia. The, The media loves when we take one down. You never hear about the ones that are being made and going up, but that's what you're hearing about tonight. This is Lexington, Virginia, where VMI and Washington and Lee It's a beautiful, are. bucolic town. I've had the opportunity. Anytime I drive to Washington, I always get off the beaten path and go down to Lexington. It is a beautiful college town. It is a beautiful, beautiful area uh, there where the Lee Chapel is, uh, where I have paid respects to, uh, to the grave and final resting place of Robert E. Lee. Also, Stonewall Jackson Cemetery, the Jackson Cemetery. Uh, there about a block away, not much more than that. I've been there. I've put a lemon at Jackson's grave, as you'll see lemons there. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, that's where you're going to be. Am I right, uh, John? You're gonna, this uh, monument's going to be in Lexington, which is just a wonderful place, if I do say so myself. Very historic. Yeah. It's just outside of Lexington, not too far from there. I think it's right off of uh, 81, Lee Jackson Memorial Park. They just had a 80-foot flag raising and, and uh, some other – another uh, stuff at the event on uh, May 27th, I think it was, that I was there. I had my AP Hill booth set up with all my relics, and I was doing presentations for people there and stuff like that. So it was a really good event. We had like two, 300 people out there too. Uh, that's great. And, and by the way, that, that's what I want to mention. So we got this new monument. Being, you mentioned the uh, renowned artist who is who is casting it, uh, and he has uh, made mm-hmm. other monuments that are on display and uh, can be seen at Gettysburg. You're, you're still traveling the country, raising awareness about the history and the heroism of A.P. Hill, and you're on the road to coming up. Are you still going to be at the Forest Home? Yes, sir. I'm going to be going to... Uh... Garner, North Carolina, and Kenansville, North Carolina, for two speeches on the 13th and 14th. And then I'll be in uh, Chapel Hill at the uh, Forest Boyhood Home on the 17th. And that's probably so going to that be my biggest week- presentation because I heard there could be almost 400 people there. So that is a, a week event. from tonight. And when he's saying the 12th and the 13th and the 17th, he means of June of uh, next week. And, of course, yep. <laughs> our dear good friend, Gene Andrews, who is the caretaker of the Forest Boyhood Home uh, and uh, a regular guest on this program, will be hosting that event a week from tonight. So if you can get to Chapel Hill, Tennessee, uh, a week from tonight, uh, next Saturday, June the 17th, you'll have a chance not only to meet TPC regular Gene Andrews, but also John Hill, who will be giving a talk about his uh, ancestor, A.P. Hill, and... uh, that's going to be the place to be. That is a big event. That is an annual thing, and that is uh, no small fry. So, John, what are you going to be have, talking uh, about there? Uh, well, I'm going to do my presentation kind of like I did on our last interview. Um, I actually, you know, our last interview, I could have went for another hour because <laughs> I have so much <laughs> to talk about for General Hill. But I'll try to keep it you – know, I, I don't want to bore people because, you know, sometimes I go into too much detail – but what I am going to bring is a lot of my relics and stuff, you know, the piece of wood from A.P. Hill's boyhood home, 
um, the 1862 handwritten order from AP Hill where he signed his rank, Colonel 13th Virginia. I have uh, CDVs of them. I have a whole bunch of uh, relics and stuff that I bring of AP Hill, and I'll do a whole – I'll have it all set up on the table. I'll do a whole presentation on that, and then I'll tell some personal details that people have never heard about AP Hill. So that's all coming up a week from tonight uh, at – the Forest Boyhood Home, which I've had the opportunity to go to. It's a wonderful place to visit. Obviously, if you have the chance to go there with uh, Gene Andrews, take advantage of it, and he'll be there next week. He is the caretaker. A, uh, John Hill will be a, B, I wish A.B. Hill would be there. But John Hill will be there. That, that, that's uh, certainly good enough. Well, both Nathan, Forrest, Nathan Bedford Forrest and A.P. Hill are underappreciated Confederate generals that are worthy of your notice and study. Check their histories out. They did incredible work. And that will end actually next week. Our good uh, friend Rich Hamblin is texting me saying that that's a week from today if you're listening live. Now, if you're listening to the archives on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so many people do, Friday. Uh, it's going to be next Saturday, the 17th of June. It's going to end at about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so you want to get there early. Uh, but that is a place to see. That is where Nathan Bedford Forrest was born. That is where, uh, from that location, he rode into the pages of history. And I had the opportunity to go there when he was reinterred again. And in my opinion, I think that as big a uh, position he held in history as A.P. Hill did in the Eastern Theater of the Confederacy in the Civil War, I think that Nathan Bedford Forrest is the premier Confederate general in the Western. Well, there's area. no doubt about that. You could, if you could have gotten Forrest and Hill together, <laughs> we wouldn't have had anything to worry about. But I had the opportunity to be there a couple of years ago uh, when they buried him for the most recent time. And I was about as far as I am from you, Keith, here in the studio tonight from the remains of Forrest and his casket. And, of course, John, you gave the story. The emotional story uh, uh, of how when your ancestor, A.P. Hill, was reinterred and moved from his final, what we mm -hmm. would have hoped would have been his final resting place, you were there to receive the remains and, and move them uh, to a place where he could be properly honored, which is, of course, no longer in the place where he was once at. But uh, that, again, folks, you can revisit that interview in the broadcast archives. Go back to Confederate History Month in April. You can get it. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, so... Uh, these are the things, but there's also things to celebrate, and we're celebrating the fact that there's going to be a new monument going up to a Confederate hero, A.P. Hill, uh, that has been casted or is in the process of being casted by a renowned sculptor, and uh, it's going to be uh, raised in Lexington, Virginia, that, that uh, legendary resting place of Generals Lee and Jackson and uh, I just hope you have somebody like Gene Andrews guarding it. Like well, hey, this so is the guy. No, John is the is the guy. <laughs> he, he's going to be living yeah, out there. Andrew. He is the he's the protector. I'll put a tent up if I have to and live next to Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. And and in the meantime, you're all over the place. So you you've mentioned just this week you're going to be in uh, between now and next Saturday in three different locations raising awareness uh, to the, the the history and the victories of ap hill uh where can people find out more we have about a minute remaining okay they can find me on twitter under john hill it'll be at johnny reb 1989 and also instagram johnny underscore reb underscore csa and pretty soon i'm gonna have a website up uh ap hill legacy foundation and i also have another i have more speeches but i have another big event uh coming up on september 30th 
uh, we're going to march down Confederate Avenue in Gettysburg for General Hill. It's oh, going to be like a charity march. Keith, I'm sending you up there for that one. Well, I tell you what, I, uh, we're going to send you to march with him down, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> down Monument Avenue in Richmond. Uh, I'd do it. I, I would do it. I would tell you. Yeah. I've been out there on Union <laughs> Avenue with the Bombardier Eddie Miller with a, federate, a Confederate flag as big as this room. Oh, I was there, too, down at <laughs> Forest Park <laughs> in Memphis. Right. But uh, nevertheless, John, thank you for your service to a cause, uh, cause greater than ourselves, for honoring your ancestor. Thank you for sharing good news with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to meet John Hill, you want to meet Gene Andrews, you don't know how to get to the Forest Boyhood Home in Chapel Hill, email me, James Edwards at thepoliticalcessful.org. We'll put you, we'll put you straight. All right. Thank you, John. We'll Thank talk you to you again soon. On. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jerry Barmish. In his first comment since the federal indictment, former President Trump told a crowd of supporters in Georgia on Saturday that it was a vicious persecution by the Biden administration's, quote, weaponized Department of Injustice. However, Alan Sanders, a political science expert, said the unsealed 37-count indictment is thorough. And so what was really important in those documents was how they went through everything. They almost tried to prove their case in the indictment. This was not a speaking indictment. It was a screaming indictment showing everything that they had uncovered. Trump is expected to surrender on Tuesday in federal court in Miami. Ukrainian officials say they have evidence Russia blew up a dam that caused an environmental catastrophe this week. Ukrainian investigators claim to have intercepted a phone call between Russian agents who were talking about plans to blow up the Nova Kakovka Dam in southern Ukraine. In a telegram post, the security service of Ukraine said Russia wanted to blackmail the country by creating an environmental disaster in its southern region. I'm John Schaefer. In what was billed as the biggest pride celebration ever at the White House, President Biden gave praise on Saturday to the LGBTQ community for their courage and for the hope and light they generate for people. The man known as the Unabomber has been found dead in his prison cell. A Federal Bureau of Prison spokesperson said Ted Kaczynski was found dead Saturday morning at a medical center in North Carolina. Former FBI Special Agent Cliff Watts recalls law enforcement's lengthy pursuit of Kaczynski. They actually allowed the media to print his manifesto, and that is what broke the case open, because yeah. his brother, Kaczynski's brother, was the one that read the manifesto and recognized the writing. So it's a, it was a remarkable investigative step. Kaczynski was 81. A sports note, Archangelo wins the Belmont Stakes. This is USA News. Do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call. Because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at crazy low prices. They have access to great prices and discounts at over 500 different airlines. Plus 300,000 hotels and rental car companies. Their prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you You'll save. You can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find the best price for you. Call SmartFares today and get ready to see the world with a fat wallet. 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291.
3291 That's 800-871-3291. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June, I said that's life. Ladies and gentlemen, well, that's life until it's not. Am I right? Uh, Pat Robertson, 93 years old, has gone to be with his Savior. Am I right? Uh, so he uh, has passed away. 93. I, unlike my colleagues and comrades tonight, uh, see Pat Robertson a little bit more favorably than I think the uh, reception you're going to get and the reaction you're going to get from Jack Ryan, our regular contributor, and Keith Alexander. Uh, Pat Robertson ran uh, for president in 1988. He won the Republican caucus in Iowa, winning that first in the nation uh, caucus in Iowa. And uh, I, I, all of the articles that I've read about Pat Robertson this week, I won't read them to you, but I've read many, and they're all absolutely crucifying him. It, when you die, if you get attacked, you did something good in life if you are celebrated by the mainstream did, media at least that's right if you are celebrated by the mainstream media when you die you didn't do it right at all pat uh, i don't want to say buchanan pat robertson pat buchanan not pat Robertson. excuse me pat robertson not pat buchanan pat buchanan's still with us pat robertson Thank is goodness. not yeah that's right uh, but Pat Robertson is not, and uh, so he, he was a uh, Christian televangelist, uh, Protestant Christian, the 700 Club. We all remember him. I have a marginally favorable view, as I can say about so many people. He was not our guy, but he was not not our guy. If the entire establishment hates you when you die, uh, there is something to be said for you. They are attacking him because he said feminists were witches and that he wasn't on board with the LGBTQ Plus I-A-S-R-2, uh, whatever they call themselves now, and he was not on board with uh, children lopping off their genitals. Well, as, as you uh, would have said, he had all the right enemies. Okay, but Jack, uh, you have another take. Right. Uh, this, I mean, there's so many things that are bad about our system. And George Washington, our best president, he was another Virginian. Uh, he warned about this division between two groups of people. It was Federalists and Republicans back in the day he said you should represent your district and things like that. So this two-party system, conservatives against liberals, it, it is, causes so much terrible stuff. So you set it up that your only opposition, the crazy leftist, black criminals rioting and looting and, and the worst perverts is this Christian coalition people. And you say, hey, that's great. I'm Christian. He's for theirs. And then they say, God is not on your side. And then it ends up being this Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, Mike Huckabee people, and then they, they all they do is just collect money. They, they excuse my French, they pimp for uh, Tyson Foods. They want low, you know, wage uh, illegal aliens working for them. And then these people came up with this Christian Zionist. All these wars, neoconservatives, 
did they really care that Christians are being religious ethnically cleansed out of the Holy Land? Do they do that? No, they they just well, don't. Well, the worst thing they and did, then, really, but, I think, Jack, yeah, is that yeah, they they, yeah. they 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 worship at the shrine of the Jews. All right, now, now, now. That's They're the for months. Not our guy. They took the thirty pieces of silver. <laughs> yeah, he's thirty. Yeah, he at least he said some good things about Pat Buchanan back in the day. I'll, I will give him that. But then, and then the just the other thing is that. This tax-exempt churches, I mean, you think it's there, it's gone is that these people, like Jesus said, when he wanted that rich guy, he wanted to follow him. He said, you're going to have to give up most or all your money, and the rich guy didn't want to do it. So these tax-exempt churches and real estate, and it's pretty much all denominations now, they like being rich, tax-exempt, and to do that, you got to go with the flow, which is the Israeli lobby. You can never mention the media. You might say a few bad things about porn or something, but they never do anything about it. And then they go along with all these wars against Israel's neighbors. And now they want to have wars against Russia. Now they've thrown off communism and they're, they're a European nationalist one. I mean, that that is just, I'm sorry, but that's just Judas. They've taken the 30 pieces of silver. They don't defend our, our civilization. They never mention the invasion, uh, the great replacement of our people, and they just like being being rich. They're going through the, for the they're going with the flow, and I and some a famous other guy says our people are slaves of money and we're slaves of these these J people, and I, that's kind of what. Plus he's so damn boring. Excuse my French again. He's just so dull. I mean, why does our religion? Why do our people have to be so boring? I mean, that's why they go for something a rock singer or something like that. So I'm praying right now that. Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and St. Peter that are guarding the gates of heaven, I don't want them to let them, let them in. You know, that doesn't want, I don't think <laughs> Satan Luther wants them there either. They're so boring. There's some other place they can go with just boring people. Well, when well, I die, I want to go to I, I wish place. they were more boring <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. on uh, being yeah. uh, faithful <laughs> to the Word of God. They, you know, they ignore parts of the Word of God that are not in alignment with the uh, left-wing mantra and uh i look know, look listen i look forward today. to the first two and a half hours just to get to a laugh like that from jack in the last 30 minutes where he's saying he's praying that jesus won't let pat robertson in because he's too boring uh so that's, that's Luther doesn't want time. him either there's some other place for just dull boring people <laughs> that you can go on and they're just like whoa now here's the thing whoa. though jack here's the thing though yeah. keith is that yeah. all of the media in unison is celebrating keith was confused about this earlier i said they're not honoring him they're celebrating the fact that he died that's a different thing they're not saying oh what a great guy he was they're celebrating the fact that he's dead uh, so he won't be around anymore because they said he was backwards you know the, the same thing they say about everybody that's decent he's a demagogue demagogue demagogue, uh, demagogue, particular, demagogue. particularly a southern fundamentalist i i now his, I, his father on one hand i think Pat, All the Southern fundamentalists that they endorse or approve of. Pat Robertson's father was a United States senator out of Virginia at the same time when Harry Byrd was a, a Democratic senator out of Virginia. And in, in any event, they're, they're excoriating him over the fact that he said feminists are witches and he wasn't on board with the LGBTQ transgender movement. And so that uh, that and that alone was enough. That was did he was he good on race not like buchanan there's two different pats here pat robertson and pat buchanan I don't think he was good at all on race well i didn't say he was but he never uh, mentions immigration he loved all these neocon zionist wars i mean why i mean why do you want to like slaughter hundreds of thousands of millions but, of serbs germans okay. or russians why do you want to do let me that? ask you this. let me ask you if you can, if you can 
slaughtering Israel. No, 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 yeah, yeah he, he was he, he was in the tank for Israel, but not so much for some of these other social yeah. issues. But the media is, and we talked about this with David Duke at the last hour. The media this week is connecting the dots, and they're saying nineteen eighty eight. Pat Robertson, when he won uh, the Republican caucus in Iowa. To 1991, David Duke, his nomination as uh, Republican uh, nominee for governor. 1992 to Pat Buchanan to Donald Trump. Robertson, Duke, Buchanan, Trump. Uh, do y'all connect those George dots Wallace, at all? 68 and well, I mean, okay, well, that was that was way that was, that, that, that was yeah, no, that was a much bigger yeah. one, but that was way before. But I mean, do you connect yeah, the dots at all there, yeah. Keith? Well, I can understand, but I think he's getting unfair credit. <laughs> if you want to know the truth. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if he knew that he was going to, uh, you know, propel or set off the career of Pat Buchanan, you probably wouldn't have run. Uh, you know, I don't. Well, you said earlier before the show tonight, if it was Pat Robertson, that was my inspiration. There would never been a political successful. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pat, Pat Robertson, like uh, – like Jack said, is about as interesting as a bowl of oatmeal. But if if all of our enemies are against him, are we for him? I mean, Jack, that's that's the question to you. If all the enemies are celebrating his death, the was there something there that was good? A lot of things, you know. I mean, they're going to be against Pat Boone too. I mean, but does that mean that Pat Boone is the savior of our people or something like that? Again, I don't know. I mean, yeah. what are we going to do? Are we going to try? Maybe we could try this as a weapon. We could try to get these Pat Boons, Pat Robinsons to try to bore our enemies to death. They have to watch like a lot of like 20 hours. They'd fall asleep and then they wouldn't go to vote or something. I mean, sure. I mean, that's, you know, that's germ warfare, I guess. But it's, it's definitely. Do we laugh this much? <laughs> Every time we have Jack on, we wind up laughing. We have the but he's one. right. I mean, but, but I mean, he's not wrong, at least. And, and he makes us laugh and we kill him with humor. And yeah. that, that was Bob Whitaker's thing. The enemy hates to be mocked and they hate to be laughed at. Uh, and Jack has that knack. Jack has a knack. Yep, he that does. Was. But okay, so Pat Robertson. Right, but then that zero, leads uh, here, here we go. I gotta say this. I want a number. Right. Zero being the worst you can imagine. Ten being our savior. Where does Pat Robertson fall on the spectrum? Zero to ten. I'll start. Five and a half, maybe six. Keith, four. Jack. I, I don't. I don't even think he should be. It should be a separate category. Because like again, like <laughs> Lucifer, Satan wouldn't want this guy because he's not. He's never probably kissed a woman that's never been his wife in in 93 years he's probably never had a beer or seen a you know pg movie or, or disregards like the word so of God really on, uh, well, hold on a minute now Wait, listen y'all yeah. i think i've been a little bit hard <laughs> but um i'm not listen I, I we never had him on the show uh that so that says something but i think uh i i view him marginally favorably is what i would say and We'd be better off with him running the show than Biden. Anyway, we got to take a break. More with Jack Ryan when we come back. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate 
educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. Fighting for the soul of liberty and true pursuit of happiness for everyone. Freedom Fest 2023 is coming to the home of the blues and birthplace of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee, July 12th through 15th. It's the ultimate summit for liberty, educating and empowering through art, music, film, and comedy while promoting economic freedom and highlighting today's political issues. Use promo code ROUND50 to save 50 bucks off the current rate. Reserve your spot at FreedomFest.com. See you in Memphis. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. Perfect uh, intro to this particular segment, Stuck in the Middle with You and with Who. I mean, here we have Donald Trump facing a thousand counts of fiction. <laughs> indictments nationwide from New York and now to Florida, soon to be coming in Georgia. And then you have all of these cucks, these cucked out losers like Mike Pence and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie, and I can't even remember, uh, Tim Scott, I guess he's Tim, Tim yeah, Scott. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, you talk about a bowl of uh, oatmeal, you know, my gosh. Where are we at here, Jack? Where are we? Now, listen, I, I, I'll tell you. I, I'll take Pat Robertson over some of those clowns. Uh, but uh, where are we well, at now? He, he makes, uh, uh, you know, those, that, that qu- uh, quartet basically makes Pat Robertson look like Elvis. <laughs> So, uh, what are we talking about yeah, here? Where, where are we at, Jack? Okay, so oh, but I, I got to give Jack credit on one thing. I got to give credit to Jack right. on a lot of things. I love Jack, but you and I right. gave you credit right. for this earlier tonight. But uh, you were the one who right. gave us the uh, George Wallace theme song, the campaign song, the campaign ad. We played that earlier in the hour, yeah. and uh, you were okay. the one who brought that to yeah. my attention. I never heard that before. Anyway, yeah. so thank you for that. But, but where are we at now with like, the well, working out there in the internet? Pence and all of this stuff and the Trump indictments. <laughs> yeah, I know you like to go okay, to like well, South Africa got... or South America when it's a presidential election cycle, and the first presidential yeah, debate yeah, yeah. for I, the Republicans I, is in I, August. I, you, you, yeah. Now, you, you called that right three, three and a half years ago. I just I can't take – uh, 18 months of day-in, day-out presidential e- election. Sweden, they have elections that last three weeks, and then no one else is allowed to campaign before that. Our elections go literally for a year and year and a half. So that horrible com- Jay Communist, Leon Trotsky, Lev Bronstein, 
envision a time of permanent revolution where we have basically permanent presidential campaigns. And both sides of these people that are just trying to milk it are disputing the last three presidential elections. They're trying to say that Obama was an American citizen and that Trump was a Russian collusion and that Biden. So, so they're just we have permanent elections. So these kind of people that do this are professional political consultants. Like who is that horrible guy, Carl Rove? People that do that do this for a living, and then you get certain groups. They're they're doing it to try to present some image or get people to buy their books. Libertarians. I'm a big critic of the Ron and Rand Paul cult, and then this religious right Christian coalition people. They keep doing this to running on the elections to try to get more people to to write, and they're running all the freaking time. And a regular person that has a job or a family does not want to get involved in a campaign that lasts. 18 months and so now we've got political pimps and prostitutes and if you listen to them they're listening in vain to find out what they really stand for what they will do when they get in office and they do and these groups that keep going on and i don't know who did it who was the first vice president of the united states whoever it was or some there one that said vice president john adams worth a warm bucket Okay, there was some other guy said the vice presidency ain't worth a warm bucket. I think it was John Nance Garner uh, under yeah. the Roosevelt administration, yeah. Cactus Jack of yeah. Texas. Yeah. Now, he said it wasn't worth And look at, in our lifetime, all of the vice presidents, what happened to them? Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson, George W. Bush Sr., Dan Quayle, Walter oh, yeah. Mondale. Now, they got that senile uh sleepy Joe Biden. And then we've got Mike Pence. So these vice presidents, they wanted it, and then they go on. And uh, and this guy, I'm sorry, Mike Pence is saying he's the candidate of God and the Constitution. I must have missed the press conference where God and Jesus Christ formally endorsed Mike Pence. Did you guys see that or did it come out? I must have missed it. <laughs> and then, my, yeah, I tell you what, Mike Mike Pence is just. I mean, he he, he makes uh, uh you know he he makes tiny Mr. Rogers towns. book look like Mr. Mick Jagger. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Right. And then uh, so then the other people that were running now, my, I'm not going to recommend I'm going to recommend a book just a little bit later. But I want people to read some of my brilliant writing that should change the course of civilization right now. But I wrote <laughs> 10 years ago at Occidental Descent. What's the matter with South Carolina? And it mentioned that they didn't have a single white southerner or any other white uh, heterosexual in the office of governor or u.s senator they had that horrible uh nikki haley that's a crossover she's running for president now it's like oh look we're not racist anymore we got this indian and, and lady well, g know, whatever. And then lindsey graham yes he ain't running again is with he? ted kennedy and drag let's being why can't <laughs> someone run a campaign against using taxpayer money for homosexual prostitution in Washington. Why don't, if I was running his opposition, you think that they would go against them. That South Carolina used to be the biggest Southern conservative state, but they like that federal money for the military and Lisbon, Lindsey Graham gets it. And these neocon wars, they get money for that. And so all those people are running for president now, Tim Scott. Oh, look, he's like the Larry elder that was supposedly black conservative in California. These people, just do the demographics. Black Americans are and look, look at Lindsey Graham. He's probably never yeah. been in a fight in his life, but he's the biggest war hawk 
in Congress. He's certainly never been with a woman. He might be fighting but... for some lingerie at some store. With some <laughs> All right, hold on, Jack. Hold on, Jack. You're on a roll tonight, brother, as you always are. But I, I got a, I got a, I got two topics. We got we got to shift gears. Again. I got two topics, and I got two Wait. minutes. I was like, I get to them quick. But uh, number one, now you can relate to this. You're outside of Chicago. You're in the Chicagoland, greater metropolitan area. So San Francisco, uh, two of the biggest hotels in San Francisco released uh, an announcement a few days ago saying they're going to limit their exposure, which means they're closing up shop in San Francisco because the crime and the diversity has gotten too much for even the Hilton brand to endure. So Hilton's closing up shop in San Francisco. Their hotels are probably romper rooms for homosexuals. Well, well, whatever the case, I mean, there's a lot of vagrants. There's a lot of homelessness. There's a lot of uh, non-white stuff on the street. And well, so these big hotels are moving out of San Francisco. They're saying we're, we're leaving yeah, San Francisco. Right. They're not saying why, but we know why. What do you make of that, Jack? Well, I was uh, I lived in New York City when civilization collapsed in the late 1980s <laughs> and left right before Giuliani got elected. And all the atrocities, this was when Bush Sr. was the president of the United States. And after that, got gang raped and left for dead. Uh, Trump took out a full-page advertisement in the in the New York Post calling for the death penalty, and I wrote a very good letter and talked about history. It got printed, and we're doing these things: two thousand murders a year. George Bush Sr. is completely it, it doesn't even see what's going on. Civilization's collapsing. Crazy, mentally ill patients, people living on the street, pissing and pooping. But it gets to a point you think that that we got a savior like Giuliani. But if it gets so bad that business collapses. Uh, then things do happen that was at Times Square, they Disneyfied it and they cleaned it up. And if business is so bad that the hotels and things don't, you know, have to go out, then it will be some changes. It's not based on some Christian, you know, soldier coming in cleaning up the place. But if it's that bad, and 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 Chicago is getting the same way. If it hits that bad, forces economic will come in and things will hit rip rock bottom and they'll come up. That's my observation. It did happen right, in New no- York. So it can happen another way. One minute on this one, and then we got we got something I got to do for Keith. I promised him all show tonight. I do it for him. We got to do it. But um, another article: anything that happens naturally, or whether it's made up or not, or whatever the case, it affect it affects blacks worse, according to the media. Smog affects blacks worse. Earthquakes, earthquakes, uh, climate, so-called climate change. It's all racist. It all affects blacks worse. I, an article this week: black cyclists are more at risk than white cyclists. Cy- and that's another. Is that another euphemism like jogger or bird watcher? Cy- black cyclists. Um, I've never actually that's seen a, That's a rare species, right there. But nevertheless, uh, they are more at risk than white cyclists. Everything that happens. Blacks are more at risk. Uh, it's all racist. Cycling, bird watching, it's all racist. Everything is racism. Do, do you see a lot of black cyclists no. outside of Chicago, Jack? Or right. are, they, are they being uh, that put upon? Back a long way. Right. It said our enemies, and this goes back when Cronkite uh, blamed the conservative white city of Dallas, Texas, for killing President Kennedy. He said hate killed President Kennedy. Well, it ended up being a communist pro-Cuba guy. So they say that white conservatives... Uh, Christians have some kind of supernatural power to control the climate. So they do climate change. And so they, even though it's all blacks that are they're beating up Asians in New York and, and San Francisco, they say, well, Donald Trump and these conservatives, they cre- created a climate of racial injustice that made these 
these people uh, do these bad things. So yeah, that's what we're 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 uh, like the. The well, here's, here's the thing, Jack, they're not really black people; they're white people in blackface. Well, yeah, if, if, if you could say that, well, hey, if you're in if you're in downtown Atlanta and it's a few degrees hotter than it is in Villarica, Georgia, which is a little bit to the west, right. uh, you say it's because of the concrete. Well, you know who's mowing down the trees? It's not whites. It's not whites in 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 these third world places if that does have anything to do with climate change it's not our people doing it. now keith i promised you we'd do this what are we doing you got 10 seconds to tell us well we're playing summertime music you know now you played this during the winter you asked for this one to be played in the winter yeah, too. i know but it's a song I'm... for all seasons no it's really You're a pulling song. my leg it, it is a song for summer at the beginning of summer then um, why do and, we, you want to play in the winter too because it's good <laughs> and also because the uh the, the leader of this band hated Jerry Lewis, and I've hated Jerry Lewis ever since he made his infamous comment. It was his comment. own son, Gary Lewis. Yeah, right. Jerry Lewis wrote his son Gary Lewis out of his will, and he also was the one who made the comment on the Johnny Carson or Jack Parr show that whenever he flew uh, transcontinental over flight, your house, he likes to take a... No, he said if he flew over Mississippi, he always wanted to know when he was flying over Mississippi so he could use the bathroom on the plane. All right. Well, After that, I had no use for the guy. For Jack Ryan and you, Keith Alexander, and John Hill and David Duke and Stephen Brockus making his debut appearance. That's been a busy show tonight. Uh, let's end with this. It is summertime. We've been celebrating summer. It's a show for all seasons here at TPC, as you know. Spring, summer, winter, fall. Here it is for just a couple of seconds. Walk along the way with someone new. Have yourself a summer flame or two. But remember, I'm in love with you and save your heart for me. Good night, everybody. God bless you. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.